<laughs> All right. And with that, we'll get into our actual show here. <laughs> First, I want to thank for everyone for uh, for tuning in so far. This is the third or fourth episode, sorry, um, of the Holler podcast. I am Stephen Borbell, driver of the number two Ford Mustang for Next Level Motorsports. I am joined by uh, Carl Pooler. Carl, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, uh, guys, it's Carl Pooler, driver of the number 71 Limitless Esports uh, Chevrolet Camaro. Uh, looking forward to another episode of the Holler Podcast with our other gentleman here, Rev. Uh, yes. How are you doing there, Rev? I'm doing absolutely amazing. Better for your asking. <laughs> Well, y'all will notice that we are missing Richard this week. Uh, Richard is enjoying himself uh, down in sunny Daytona Beach. Um, I don't know if it's sunny or not, but Daytona Beach, Florida for the uh, Rolex 24 hour this weekend. So we miss having him this weekend, but he'll be back next week. And uh, thankfully, Rev was available and willing to uh, to hop on with us. Um, Rev is one of the most, if not the most important piece of this league. Um, so it's great to have him here and spotlight him and <laughs> all his hard work. Um, but yeah, so we'll get right into it. Um, so last week uh, for the Butt Kicker Cup Series, we were at Atlanta Super Speedway, Motor Speedway. Is the name officially Motor Speedway still? Don't know. Super Motor Speedway. Super Just Motor call Speedway. it that and we'll cover it all. <laughs> it is the hybrid uh, of the two. Um <laughs> And without further ado, you probably already know who the winner is. It, w- it was Gavin Rogers again. So Gavin Rogers came home with his fourth victory of the season in the Breast Cancer Awareness 250 at Atlanta. Um, he ended up leading 99 out of the 165 laps and held off the rest of the field um, within the last couple laps to win his fourth of the year. Uh, Carl, what, what did you get from that race? Um, give us your positioning throughout the whole race and what you saw oh man what i saw was there was a lot of a lot of moves that needed to be made if you needed to make a pass and there was some uh part where you were thinking if you didn't hold the exact line i think we saw it especially in the quad oval um if if you felt like you had a better run going through the inside of the quad oval maybe coming out of four going into one people would start to take that move and especially as the stages um wound down the race wound down it, it got really intense there later on because of that that positioning and being able to have a clean car was kind of key in how that ended well you're right and for those that don't know, Rev is our race control. Um, each race that he is available, he, he generously offers up his time um, to keep us in line. So he, he's always behind the scenes making um, the calls on any uh, incidents that happen or if someone has connection issues, whatever it may be, doing a lot of the administration stuff during the race to make sure everything runs smoothly. And Rev, you were also in the broadcast booth this past weekend again, which was awesome <laughs> to have you up there and hear your voice because um, you give an interesting perspective um, that really adds to the broadcast a lot of the time since you have a relationship with the drivers and um, not that the broadcast team doesn't, but you're, you're more in the day-to-day operations in the trenches. It, it's more of a intimate relationship yes. with, with you guys. And, and I don't mean intimate as in like, Hey, brown check and brown cow. I mean, it because I kn- I've known a lot of you for quite some time. I've known you since SRL, uh, mm-hmm. Adam since SRL and uh, Clapper. Uh, since yep. SRL, um, 
God, I hated running next to him. He scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and I'm the one that shakes when I drive. But in his in his defense, I think Jeremy has come an awful long way in his skill since then. His racecraft has improved quite a bit as well. But, um, I mean, everybody from Zachary King, who literally worked his butt off to be eligible for this league, to to the most seasoned veteran here, which is you and Adam in this group in this group. Maybe so. I mean, I, I would throw some other <laughs> names as well, but I, I appreciate you saying that. I don't feel like a, a, a seasoned veteran here. Um, well, in my eyes. Yeah. I mean, SRL till now. Well, yeah. You saw I've the beginning you guys of my, uh, my sim <laughs> racing. I have. <laughs> and, and once again, another driver who's improved a lot over the last, what, three years. So, um, I I mean, I'm just proud to be here. I, I, I'm very honored that, uh, this league has kept me in this position for as long as they have through different leagues. And we're, we're so thankful to have you. Thank you. Thank you. But, um, so from your perspective, what, what did you take away from this race? (sighs) I think, I think honestly, I think we learned a lot as a group in this race um, I think a lot of drivers were really beginning to complain prior to the race starting being the super speedway and they're all afraid of all the yellows and we had a few but a lot of that is from that fear that they put inside of themselves prior to the race knowing what they're going after and I think once you guys settle down and get a good green flag run a lot of those nerves are calmer everything's a lot easier and then it goes to that next level of i'm a little too calm not paying attention and then you know it hits the fan so (laughs) you brought up a good point of going into it um we we did a practice race uh monday night Mm -hmm. and it didn't go well let's just say (laughs) that um we only had nine cars in the field or so and and we were wrecking all the time so it, it was difficult um to gauge it and going into it, I was a little worried that it was going to be a wreck fest. Um, to mention that Gavin did get the pole um, for this race. He had a, he had a perfect race. Um, he got the pole, led the most laps, uh, won both stages and won the race. Um, so I believe back-to-back perfection for him. Um, and my point to that is I had qualified second. So originally I wanted to be in the back because from what I had seen in the practice race, you know what hit the fan. Um, but the plan changed, I guess. And unfortunately, there was a wreck on lap three or four. four. Yeah. And um, it took out a, a handful of cars, it, one being Adam, um, which put him behind the wall pretty early, unfortunately. And that basically changed my mindset of, well, the best way to avoid the wreck is to be in front of it. In front um, of it, yeah. So I, it seems like Atlanta has turned into that of as long as you can stay up front, as long as something doesn't happen up front. Um, but it seemed anyone I was racing with the whole time didn't seem to be pushing the issue until late, which is expected. Expected. Yeah. I wouldn't, uh, I would. And the thing is, is, you know, either one of those two strategies work, uh, especially at a track like Daytona or Talladega, um, Atlanta. I think we, I think we have a slightly different feel there because it's much more narrow. Uh, you see that checkered or the start finish line a lot quicker than you do on either of the other two. So everything I think mentally becomes 
Alexa. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> I can't help. I do Sorry. that. I do that the, to people. The stars are on, and, and she, she wants to let <laughs> me know that the stars scored. <laughs> who? The who? Uh, the Dallas Stars, of course. Oh, oh, the Washington Capitals. Okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No, no, but uh, back. <laughs> I, I think I think a lot of what a lot uh, driving is probably eighty percent mental. I'm not going to say ninety like a lot of people do. You know, it's about eighty percent mental because when mental leaves, only your skill is left, and if you're not paying attention to your skills, the mental is gone. So what's important and what is not important when you don't need the mental? It's repetition. The faster the repetition, the more likely you are to lose more of the mental. Because it's like a Bristol. Bam, 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 bam. Oh, shit. Race is over. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was going to be a shit show. And mm -hmm. it ended up ends up actually being a three-caution race, four-caution race. And in order to drive that through to the home of a driver is don't rely on the mental as much stick with the muscle memory, but build it with the mentality up front without the fear of the yellow. Mm -hmm. and it's that's going to tougher happen. said than done. Oh, it's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> or inversely, <laughs> yeah. whatever. I had you back. I appreciate it. Nobody would have noticed it. As that. as we were just <laughs> talking about earlier, I, I'm a math guy. I'm a I'm a numbers guy, not a not an English guy. Um, but uh, you you did bring up the cautions. Um, one of which Adam was involved early on. Um, I, I, let me I might be able to bring it up real quick. Um, I know watching it back, it looked like uh, Dustin had gotten into him a little bit. We got it up here on the screen. Like, oh, Rev also has it up. Thank you, Rev. <laughs> and, See, yeah. prepared. <laughs> and, and Dustin uh, apologized to Adam, I know, after the race for it. Um, he owned up to it. Uh, just being a little too aggressive too early, it seemed to be, um, and trying to find a hole that wasn't there. That was one of them. Um, another one I wanted to bring up that came to mind was during that last stage, um, we were on a green flag run and, uh, a group of cars peeled off to pit. <laughs> Carl, Carl's grinning um, already. Yeah. Cause he, he was one of those cars that went off to pit. And, uh, initially when they said they were going into pit, I looked at my fuel gauge and I had around 10 or 11 laps to go. And I, I found it odd that they were going so early, but a yellow came out soon after. Um, and, and Carl, walk us through what happened there during that incident. Well, so I, I do, I do want to uh, give a little context. I take extreme pride in my pit entries, uh, especially when I was a young sim racer and was not very good at the on-track stuff. Pit road meant a lot to me. You could gain, you know, especially if you're low IR rating and uh, kind of there in the back of the the pack you can gain two three four spots if you're really good on pit road and so uh th there was some the, some changes before the race about pit road and i haven't really had any practice so i was trying to get the most out of that apron as i could and uh, i just kind of got up to where there was a level change between that you know second and third lane on the apron i think it was and it just went around on me so and, and Richard is here in the chat saying to tell the truth, uh, tell the truth, Carl. 
but i mean that's a good point of we didn't necessarily um come up of where where you're expecting people to enter pit road so in real life uh, at atlanta motor speedway pit road entrance is going into turn three uh, below the racing surface and you have to be down to pit road speed already um, however, in the sim, they have not updated that, and pit road entrance is at a normal location coming out of four um, on pit road. Uh, soon before the race started, maybe even during pace laps, uh, it was determined that we're going to be using turn three as the pit road entrance. You don't have to be down to speed, but you should or you will go down to the apron and wrap around turns three and four to enter pit road. Um, just for, for safety reasons, coming out of four, we have way too much speed to try to dive it in. Um, it would have just led to more problems. But um, Carl, my understanding when talking with Richard was y'all had practiced the opposite of mm-hmm. entering directly off of four and mm-hmm. um, coming in. I don't want to say unprepared because y'all weren't, it's not that y'all weren't prepared. Um, it's just that the, uh, we decided to go a different way with it, um, than mm-hmm. originally thought, which is unfortunate. Um, it is something that we can do better, um, going forward and, and figuring out these problems that we could have during a race. Um, but yeah, you, you know, I, I, I feel worse. It's yeah. It's embarrassing spinning out on the apron, going slower than you normally would, but I feel even worse about Briar because I didn't even know that's who got into me. Yeah. So my whole mentality was, I was fine, I was fine, I got hit, oh well, it happens, I made this mistake. And then <laughs> I accidentally bumped him too hard coming out of four and sent him around again. And I didn't realize that until just now because I've been kind of staying away from the replay. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little frustrated with myself. But yeah, I didn't realize that's who got into me. So already I got to apologize to Briar for two incidents involving me. So yeah, uh, that's uh, my bad. Well, and you bring up Briar. Um, it was Briar Fritz's first race um, with our league, which was great to see a, a new driver in. And even being involved in that incident, and he probably took a, a good chunk of damage from there. He, he hit you with some force. Ooh. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, even with that damage and that incident, he ended up finishing third, um, which is a big, big shout out to him for that. And your first uh, league race with us and, and coming through and getting third, which was awesome to see. Um, let me go back through the uh, results we got here. So to wrap it again, we had Gavin Rogers with the win. I came in second. Uh, Briar uh, finished third. Evan Patinko fourth. Dustin Stallings fifth. Ronnie Norman, sixth. Richard Wolsifer in an abysmal seventh. Um, Patrick Hernandez in eighth. <laughs> Brendan Maddox, ninth. And rounding out the top ten was Jeremy Clapper. Um, and Adam, who was involved in the incident on lap four, uh, came back to finish 11th. Um, he was two laps down for a lot of the race. Um, I do know at the end of the first stage, um, he beat Gavin to the line and got one of his laps back, but then he was just fighting to get that second lap back for a lot of the time. So it, it was good to see that he at least got back to his lead lap um, finish. Didn't get the finish he wanted, but that's that. Um, there was something else I wanted to cover. Oh, so with about uh, five or ten to go, I uh, just got to give a quick nod, I guess. Um, at the time, it was very frustrating, and I've already talked to him about it. Um, and it was a smart move. It was a high IQ move by uh, Ronnie Norman. So there was a three-car breakaway of Gavin, myself, and Ronnie. Um, 
in the last couple of laps and we had about a two or three second gap on the rest of the field and we thought we were going to be able to run away and easily get a top three all three of us um so i'm drafting with gavin and and ronnie starts side drafting me pulling me back into that group behind us and at the time i i don't even know what i was saying to to gavin but i was as frustrated as i've ever been racing um and not because of dirty racing it was just something that's like I know we could be doing so much better. We could be flying, <laughs> but he he's playing games with me right now. And I'll give him credit because that's a smart move. Cause at the end of the day, like he wouldn't have had a chance to win if it was just us three, Gavin and I were sticking with each other the whole way. And, um, he, he pulled us back to that other pack with three or four to go and gave himself a shot. So just wanted Absolutely. to give the that a shot. The thing off. he could have done was just yeah. slow y'all down. It, it was, it was yeah. very smart. And I just wanted to call that out for him. With about 10 to go, uh, he started peaking. And at that point, I knew what he was searching for. He was searching for two things. One, he knew he could slow y'all down. Two, if he slowed you down the right way, he was going to just sling the shot past y'all because he wanted to break you two out of that draft and give you that uh, that pushing wall that happens when you got mm-hmm. two on top and one on the bottom where he's going to pull right by you and then he's going to steal the draft from you. Yeah, and so, that was a big part it, of it. Sorry, and that's why when he started doing the inside like this, that's what he was working on because it's twofold, and here comes Richard and the rest of the group. I will say, though, that was our plan of because he kept peeking to the outside at first, and then Gavin and I talked, and I don't know who originally brought it up. Of At one point, I said, Gavin, let's move to the outside. The other, the other line's catching us, and if they get a run on the outside, we're lost. Uh, so we decided to make the move to the outside, um, because we just felt more confident being able to pin the inside line down and, and stop mm-hmm. their momentum to at least maintain our momentum. Um, and at first it was getting a little nerve wracking. We were falling back <laughs> a little bit, but we ended up getting that momentum back from, I, I think it was Briar that was, uh, behind me, giving me some good shoves into yep. Gavin, which gave For, us more 31 momentum. was, yeah, yep. 31 was Yarl's uh, savior. So I'll I'm, give him I'm a shout out. Lie. No, he, it was huge. He deserves it. It was him, and then I think Dustin was behind him. Um, and without their help, if it was just us two on the top, we wouldn't have stood a chance there. But yeah. uh, well, if that if that group of six that was coming up uh, behind the thirty-two would have all stayed in line on that lower lane, I think the greed of the top line of the people that filed in behind you and Gavin, and I'm going to call it greed because that's all it can be at this point in the race. <laughs> If they were smart, they would have finished ahead of you two. Maybe the 31 would have been in fourth instead of where he finished. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, and that's one of those things where that's it, it's going to be difficult to say exactly what would have happened. Because this is that point where you guys were really starting to move back because you had five inside, four on the outside. So, and th- th- this is this is where... It, Oh, see, wow, I did never saw that. Richard just about <laughs> took out Gavin there. <laughs> and then, so we had seen, um, even with the numbers disadvantage on the high side for the most of the race, like it mm-hmm. seemed like the high side definitely had the uh, the advantage later in the run. And at this mm-hmm. point, we were pretty late in the run. I mean, not empty on fuel by any means, but a couple to go. And right there, that, that bobble yep. right there is what saved us. Because then that 100%. gave us the momentum in front of... Uh, well, if you notice what switched, the numbers switched here. So, well, 
Well, I know you guys good. got a, a yeah. You, I know you guys ended up with a five car push for a lap, like a half a lap, and that was enough, to, I think, to kick you you guys out a little bit further than the yeah. thirty two. And then I don't know how many laps you have here, two to go. And then I think it was coming to the white flag or right after the white flag, the inside line bobbled up again. Um, and that cleared things for sure, mm -hmm. for sure. But no, it, it was a great ending to the race. It was a lot of fun um, down the wire. Oh, 100%. And uh, the 51 with the the slow line down at the bottom, uh, I think there was a lot of anticipation that he was going to be in the way. Yep. And uh, I don't like that as an excuse. Yeah, because I, th I think no matter who that guy would be, whether he's blinking or not, I think they're smart enough to know to get the hell out of the, out of the way. If that makes sense. No, they did. And it was late, but they, they did end yep. up getting out of the way. Thankfully, mm -hmm. could have been. Oh, goodness, it could have been something. Yep. But no, oh, that yeah. was a great that was a great race um, overall. It was very exciting. Uh, incidents early, calmed down in the second stage. Third stage was relatively calm. I knew a green flag stop was going to be uh, interesting there, but and it, it turned out to be thanks to Carl. But anything <laughs> else y'all want to bring up from this race? Man, I just got to say how disappointed in myself I am after this because, yes, Gavin won both stages and he led the most laps, but guess what? I led the second most laps at 57. I was in second place, stage one, stage two, and that green flag pit stop really hurt. And uh, I think this may be a good segue into the meatball of the week, and I'm going to call myself out on this is after that wreck and after uh, Briar got into me and we were having our issues, I had three minutes of damage, and I figured there was going to be a lot more wrecks going on because cautions be cautions. Well, it ended up calming down, really, and I did not use my fast repair, so my meatball of the week goes to myself for not using my fast repair and getting myself in position to battle for that top spot there. Well, that's fair. If, if you didn't do it, I was going to give my meatball of the week to you. But um, since you already did that, I'll let you slide. I won't give you a double trouble. Um, uh, Rev, I'll, I'll let you go for uh, before me. Uh, who, who's uh, your meatball? It's not not a person, but their internet. Uh, the fifty one. Fair. I love I love the kid to death, and I wish him all the best wherever he ends up racing. And because uh, I, from what I understand, he's not racing any longer. Am uh, I correct? I'm not here? sure of the details there. Um, okay. Well, we'll so leave it. At we'll that, wait to but... see. His his internet service in the barracks is my meatball of the week. That that's fair. Uh, it has been unfortunate that he has been struggled uh, struggling with. We call it blinking, um, but mm -hmm. just basically connection uh, issues for a majority of the season. Hopefully, he can get that situated. Um, I hope I, because yeah, and he he wants to be here. He he puts in a lot of effort and work. Um, and once that gets cleared up, it'll, a lot of issues will be resolved. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I guess my meatball of the week, just because he got into my teammate so early in the race, I'll give it to Dustin. Um, <laughs> Poor Dustin. I, I can't lie. I've been in a similar situation to where Dustin has been um, at my first time at Atlanta because coming out of uh, out of the tri-oval after the start-finish line, it really narrows up there when it makes another bend. Um, and being slightly off on your line can 
throw everything off because he, he's getting a run on Adam and he shifts down to the middle lane essentially and Adam has nowhere to go kind of thing so he kind of got pushed up on the wall um, it's an understandable incident of why it happened but it, it was avoidable and uh, just got to give him a little hate love love hate for that whatever <laughs> whatever he however he wants to take it um, it's just a, it's all incident. in love it's, yeah. that's all it's well all you know it, to to out to kind of outshine this incident he was able to stay connected the entire time he didn't go down a lap he didn't have any real issues other than that so that's uh good for dustin to be able to stay connected and go from uh green to checker without having a dc yeah it was awesome uh, because when he he can stay the whole race he can mm-hmm. he can do some damage um oh absolutely he's he's got i think he's got a pretty decent talents set that uh, I think a lot of people are going to look over if if he stays as quiet as he been as he's yeah. been. So. Mm-hmm. He has been quiet, um, but not necessarily due due to a lack of skill, um, due to more so of he's uh, doo doo. <laughs> <laughs> I do say doo doo a lot, but oh, sorry. So we did meet me. <laughs> we got the race covered. Um. Any shout-outs you'll want to give to a certain driver um, that you came across this week that you were impressed by? Um... Uh, actually, I have one that I would like to do, yeah. and that's to Gavin Rogers, and it's ah, not yeah, from yeah. me. Not from me, <laughs> oh, and this okay. is a text, text from my mother to to this podcast and him. He, uh, She says, not everyone has the misfortune to have had a diagnosis of breast cancer. And to have a son who cares deeply about his mom is a gift. The driver here who put my name on his car deserves much, much the same as my son does and everything he does for me. Now I have a friend who is part of the family. Actually, you are a part of the family now, Gavin. Thank you from the bottom of my heart, Rev Mama. That's awesome. I'm sure Gavin's going to love hearing that. Yep. Um, it, it, that brings up a great point. It, it, I I know I mentioned that the race sponsor was um, breast cancer awareness, um, but we did have so many great paint schemes um, honoring uh, individuals. Um, I know Gavin's paint had uh, your mom rev. Uh, My paint had Bill Hales on it. And um, I know Adams had uh, Jeanette stone on it. I don't know of any others specifically um, with other names, unfortunately, but I do know a, a lot of people put in a lot of effort to make sure that their paints were um, were honoring an individual or, or bringing awareness to breast cancer to um, to hopefully get people help that they need or at least some sort of escape. And it was great that we could all get together and do this, especially um, that iRacing updated the body styles the day of the race and caused a panic <laughs> to make us all update the paints real quick and make sure it, it matches up. Um, but... I said it on the during my interview of it really warmed my heart and I know it it warmed a bunch of people's heart and it's great to see the impact it had even if it is something as small as that. So with that yeah, well, yeah go, ahead. go ahead. Please. No, I was going to say that uh, a lot of those paints were last minute redos mm-hmm. yes. and that that was a pain it became part of a very busy week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely uh, touched on that busy week earlier. Yeah. Oh man, it, it's been a little crazy on the iRacing side of things. Definitely has, and hopefully it slows down uh, now that we got the big stuff out of the way for at least NASCAR updates. 
we'll see. Unless Chevy decides last minute to update theirs, then Carl and uh, <laughs> you and Richard <laughs> might be uh, in a little bit of trouble. No, just Richard. I, I'm not going to lie. He does all my pain. So he's he's really good at it. I'm going to give him the credit where he deserves, even though I'm super jealous of him being there at Daytona. I'll give him credit. But yeah, <laughs> uh, all the pain schemes you see on the 71 are definitely courtesy of Richard Wolsifer. That's a, that's a fair call out. He does do a great job with paints and rev yourself, uh, you and uh, your revsimshop.com and uh, tradingpants.com. <laughs> <laughs> If, oh, if you ever need a paint created, please reach out to Rev. Um, also, any button boxes, custom button boxes, um, reach out to RevSimShop.com. And anything else, Rev, um, that you uh, As... specialize in? Uh, race control. Um... <laughs> he is the best, without uh, well, a doubt. Yeah, we, we've got, I don't know about the best. I, I strive to be that, but I don't think I'm there yet. I'm still making mistakes, so. No, but um, yeah, button boxes. Uh, I I really do enjoy. I you guys hear me bitch and complain about being busy making them all the time, but I do enjoy it. So don't don't take that negative sound. I just like to be negative when I want to be. We have Ryan Harrison in the chat. Um, just wanted to give a quick shout out to him. We uh we've raced with him previously and mm -hmm. and loved hey. racing with him. I'm glad to have him in the chat. Uh, Ryan said that his Toyota that you made him rev. Um, is still one of his favorites that he's had. So well, cheers. To give you a little um, love. I, I enjoyed making that one. I remember putting your logo with the eyeball on the back, and <laughs> <laughs> and and Ryan, we we hope to hopefully have you uh, rejoin us one day. It would be awesome mm -hmm. to to see you back on track. Um, I, I know for personally, I, I miss racing with you, and I'm sure I can. I'm speaking for a lot of people right now that they uh, miss seeing you on the track, and hope that you're doing well. I miss being able to penalize him when he messes up. I mean, come on. Well, you penalize everyone, and uh, unfortunately, I try to be it's... equal, equal yeah. opportunity penalizer. Oh, oh, I'll definitely. wait until you give Gavin a penalty for something. I'll make up a penalty have. for him. I have not enough. He he needs I, to be handicapped. Oh, I, I, I know. I got a good scolding this past week. So, you know, <laughs> well, we will move on to our standings. So the standings graphic um, that I have up may not be 100% accurate, but it gives us an idea of where we stand um, after Atlanta. So after the seventh race, we are sitting at four five more races until the, the uh, chase starts. Um, we have Gavin at the top with 385, so he got to pull away from Ronnie a little bit with his perfect race, uh, now a gap of 43 points. Uh, Ronnie in second, 342. Uh, I went ahead and jumped Adam uh, due to his incident he had um, and going into third. Adam came down to fourth a little bit, but still within striking distance. Carl, who remains steady in fifth with 282. Evan Patinko remains in sixth. Jared Hughes remains in seventh. Richard Wolsifer remains in eighth. Christopher Campbell remains in ninth. And now into your top ten, uh, moving up two spots, we have Zachary King, who is above 11th Patrick Hernandez by three points. Um, following behind him is Bill Hales in 12th, Matthew Erickson 13th, Jeremy Clapper Newell in 14th, and Brendan Maddox in 15th. Whew. 
that was a lot of words all at once for me. Uh, so give, give me you a second to catch job. my breath. Thank you. You did it, you. Bravo. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But um, so yes, Zachary King breaks into the top ten for now. Um, we we don't know of his future, but if he remains racing, if he has a chance to to make that chase, um, but he also does have some formidable opponents knocking on the door. That being Patrick Hernandez, three points behind him. Uh, Matthew Erickson, Jeremy Clapper Newell, Brendan Maddox, Dustin Stallings. I mean, there is a there are a lot of names that are right there um, that can break into that last uh, to spot. So, with that, what what do y'all take away from the the current standings outlook and maybe that battle for tenth? If not, if you want to talk about the battle for third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, first, second, not much of a, a battle going on right now since they're about a point. Uh, race away in points, but I mean well, that's that's tough, man. I'm I'm gonna let you have that one because as race control, it's hard to really have favorites or anything like that without showing bias. So, and maybe not a favorite, but just uh, from what you've seen, with it's hard to to not have the bias in there. I get Gavin is gonna be first. Uh, I will say Gavin I mean, Gavin is going to end up missing one race. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that that ooh. So I, I now I have to go do man. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so so with, with 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 Gavin missing a race, uh, that will give Ronnie a little bit of a boost in the points there. We have a lot of interesting tracks coming up. We got Kern County, Eldora. Um, we have a short track, then a dirt track. Uh, dirt track is another wild card. I know Richard's looking forward to that one. Um, Kern County is coming up. Um, I haven't put a single lap on Kern County. I'll be honest. Um, but I do seem to have a good rhythm. I definitely feel like a rhythm driver, and I feel like the short checks help with that a little bit. Um, so that'll be interesting. I'm definitely looking to recover from my 13th place finish at Atlanta. So uh, fifth, and it's fun being in fifth because I'm around yourself, Stephen. I'm around Adam. Uh, Richard and I have been caught around each other. Uh, so a lot of us in, in, let's say, like the third to seventh position have all been mm-hmm. finding ourselves around each other. And that's going to get interesting. And then going down further, eighth, ninth, tenth, uh, you, all those names. Zachary King, if anything, he's consistent. He's been here for every race. He's gotten finishes at every race. Almost every so. Race. Almost every race, so that helps him. But Patrick Hernandez has come out uh, really, you know, kicking and screaming. Only three points outside the top ten. Uh, Dustin Stallings, if he can keep his internet figured out, he's going to be up there too. So uh, that it's going to be a really fun fight to see uh, with five laps to go left in, in, before the chase. Definitely, I'm excited to see how it plays out. And like you said, of us from third to. I'll include Richard in there. Third to eighth, um, it's been a good battle of racing around mm-hmm. each other for for the majority, if not the whole season. And um, that playoff seating or playoffs chase seating. <laughs> sorry, I'm getting my real NASCAR uh, mixed up. But our our chase format and our chase seating, um, you do get some bonus points based off where you finish in the regular season. So there is a lot of incentive to climb as high as you can in the regular season and not just make it in eighth, ninth, and find your way in because then you might be in a hole um, to begin. And I think we start off at 
Watkins Glen to start the chase. And uh, we know how good Gavin is at road courses. And if he already has a lead, you don't want his lead getting that much bigger. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting down the stretch. Um, let's see. I already talked about Gavin growing his points lead. Um, gives him his cushion for his uh, missed race that he'll have. Um, I mean, Ronnie's still within striking distance by no means. Is he is he struggling right now in uh, second place in the points? He, he's right there with him um, on the track each week. Um, I, I'm curious to see what next week will bring, and that'll bring us into next week's race. Um, so next week we do race at Kern County Raceway Park on Tuesday, January 30th at 9 p.m. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern um, for the Shop Local 200. Um, so Kern County Raceway Park is not a NASCAR track, or at least a, it's not a Cup Series track. I don't think it's even a, a NASCAR track, regardless. Maybe I don't think Arca they have any event there. Okay. I don't. Uh, Maybe it's just. I, a I don't think so. Actually, on the schedule. Okay. Well, I do know Kern County is located in California. Um, it's a little half mile ish short track, um, somewhat reminiscent of Richmond um, in layout, uh, but not exactly shape. It's not a D shape short track. It's kind of a mix of Martinsville meets Richmond hybrid sort of deal. Um, and I do know once it came out, Gavin was super excited about it coming out for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and uh him myself and adam bought the track immediately and started doing practice laps um <laughs> just to get used to it and to understand what it what it would bring to the league and uh we decided to to use it as a racetrack instead of uh martinsville um we we thought it brought less mayhem with more driver <laughs> skill potential <laughs> but there is definitely a chance of mayhem. It's honestly, honestly kind of like a North Wilkesboro, um, I think is a good uh, comparison too. Yeah. I, I think that'll probably be your closest. I don't know. There's it's, a couple of it's unique. tracks that you get. I, I think it has more of a Darlington vibe on a smaller scale. That's a good way mm. to put it. it. It's a very fun, rewarding track, um, but also brings close racing elements mm. into it. Uh, multi-groove especially it's it's relatively banked in the corners for a short track not bristol levels of banking but uh it's not flat by any means so it's also i guess we can throw iowa uh, speedway in there it's also similar-esque to iowa a little bit smaller um but so we're hoping to see good racing there um so carl you haven't raced on this track rev have you run any laps or seen any laps on this track all i know is reputation Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's it and, and what's that reputation and, that you know uh, it it can be a very tough track to pass on um from what i've read up about it, and i've tried to get a little bit more before i throw some laps on there but passing here it's either really really easy or it's on the other end of the spectrum there's no simple pass there's no middle ground for passing from what i'm reading so far now this is all irl stuff this is sportsman and stuff like that so the gen 7 cup cars <laughs> as we all know yeah. a totally different beast so that anything that i'm reading about it could be out the window and complete opposite so who knows at this point i but, will say um, go ahead but from what i am reading is is that the higher horsepower cars with the wider uh base uh 
do tend to get stuck in lanes. Mm-hmm. So I not sure based on the number of people that show up for the race uh how how much there's going to be two groove racing or not so i think if it's a single file run most of the time i think there could be some good racing out there there definitely could be some good racing and in our short practice session when the when the track came out we had some passing whether it was forced passing or not but this car has also changed a lot since then so that was months ago now that this track was origi- yeah. originally released, uh, released, and the the tire models changed. I mean, the body styles have changed now, and um, the car drives a little bit different than it used to. So I'm curious to see. I, I have not participated in a practice session since then. Um, I know one's going on currently for the league, so I'm curious to see what uh, other drivers are experiencing and learning. But that's that. Um, unfortunately we don't really have many, uh, keys to this race cause we don't fully understand what to expect yet. Unfortunately with uh, a new track and one being, uh, a track that not a lot of people have experience at, not even just, uh, us in this league, but any next gen car driver, um, or NASCAR driver for that matter, unless you're running late models or something, you really don't have experience with a track like this. Um, so with a shot in the dark, um, going into this rev, we'll, we'll ask you first, who is your prediction to win next week? Oh, wow. Um, I, you know what? I, I think, I think if you have some good dirt skills here, uh, you might be able to run that higher line. So I, I think I'm going to go with number 10, Dustin. Okay. I I think he has a very good chance of making a debut of, Hey guys, I I am here and I'm here to stay. I like it. I I would love to see it. Um, diversity in winners is something that we we definitely want to see. Uh, I mean, I'm biased. Well, I, I want to see Gavin in the winning. 32. <laughs> I mean, if somebody just goes and sticks their leg out, trips them, they'll be okay. You know, bribe them with ice cream in the in the pits or something of that sort. I think we'll be okay. I don't know. I, as long as I get in front of Gavin, I. That's all I care about. But I want to see him keep winning races. Uh, if him, Adam, or myself keep winning races, I'm a happy guy. Um, <laughs> so, Carl, what are you thinking? Or who are you thinking, I guess, is a better question. Oh, man. It's kind of between a couple of guys. It's either Ronnie Norman, you know, big shocker, or honestly, Adam. Uh, Adam Buzio, he definitely is hungry for that next win. He had a very disappointing start to Atlanta and really spent the whole race trying to get back up there and race his way into the lead pack. So uh, I think he's going to be hungry to get to kind of reset that slate and go after it again. So either one of those drivers I think would be really strong here coming up. So is your official pick uh, Adam? You know, I'm going to say Ronnie Norman just ah. for the fact that he I have a feeling Ronnie may sneak something out. You hear that, Adam? Carl doesn't believe in you. <laughs> well, I will say you did take my pick. Um, again, I feel like my pick always gets taken here, but I guess that's my that's my own fault for, for making myself go to last. Um, but then again, I don't have that hard of a hard of an option here. I know someone that's very talented on short tracks. I know someone that's that's run this track, and he's run plenty of laps here um, already. So I, I'll go ahead, and by default, I'll pick Gavin. Gavin Rogers as my winner this week. Um, I 
I mean, he's as talented as a driver as we have. Um, he's, he's one of, if not the most talented driver um, I've ever raced with um, consistently. And uh, he, he has a thing for every kind of track. Super speedways were the one that he could uh, not catch a break on, and he finally did. Um, so that that's who I'm going with. I think you got a smart choice there, but... I mean, I, I want I want Dustin to pull this one off at this track, just just uh, to flex a little bit of muscle. I'm glad you want to see the rest of us lose, Rev. I am <laughs> absolutely really humbles me. I mean, all the love in the world to the rest of you, but uh, I'd like to see some of the new guys get some glory mm-hmm. here too. No, that's fair. I'm I'm very excited, and hopefully, um, Gavin and Ronnie can stop hogging all the wins. <laughs> but. So that will uh, wrap up our coverage for next week's race. That is Kern County uh, Raceway Park that Rev is showing us. It's uh, yep. and I correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's a half a mile track. Uh, it is. It's a half okay. mile. Um, let me get the info sheet up on it. Yeah, if I you can tell me the degree know. of banking in the corners too, that would. Be no, helpful. it's funny because I I had this up and ready earlier, but. <laughs> uh, I it has found you. itself somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's point five mile, point five mile oval. Uh, the the website is being dirt slow right now, and it's not even a dirt track. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll bring us very exciting racing um, back to a short track. We haven't been to a short track since we were at Bristol, where uh, Ronnie got his last victory. Um, wait. Yes, his last victory was at Bristol. Don't 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 look at me like that, Carl. I I know you're trying to throw me <laughs> off here. I'm making sure I'm getting my facts right. Um, I don't have my fact sheet in front of me. That's that's purely off the off the dome right now. Um, oh, that's great. But so uh, that is the the shop local 200 at Kern County Raceway Park is next Tuesday, January 30th at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can watch it on virtualracing.network's YouTube channel. A link to the race will also be made available on our Facebook page the day of the race. So don't forget to like our page and you'll never miss anything. I did also want to mention that a uh, a new episode of the Holler Podcast can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts every Friday. Um, it gets uploaded, so just a quick plug there that uh, if you missed the live recording on Thursday, you will be able to see it starting the following Friday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And with that, we are done with the Butt Kicker Cup Series this week talking. And we move into our wonderful guest segment, the Sundance Pizza Sit-Down, where we get to learn more about Rev. Rev, well, are you still with us? Good. <laughs> are you still alive? Um, I well, just see the a, tracks. That was a good bit. I'm glad that I was able to be here, and you guys have a great night. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, so, so as we mentioned, Rev is our race control. Um, he's been race control as long as I've been racing. He actually, I mean, he raced previously <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i was still trying to act like i knew what i was doing out on the track <laughs> and and he did know what he was doing out on the track most of the time um, <laughs> oh, shucks. I, I don't think I, I don't think i had any dust-ups with you rev ever um on the track not that i can remember no, i had them with everybody else though yeah i mean i was usually just 
too far in the back anyways. I, I didn't have any dust ups with anyone. I, I so kept to how did you not get into me? Because that's <laughs> I would hang out. <laughs> I don't know. We were just on different sequences, I guess. But, uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, you were getting repairs done when I was on the track. <laughs> right there. Um, no, no, no. I, I, you know, I, I love to actually drive. I really do. And I, and I do, I chomp at the bit because I love doing it. But unfortunately these hands, they don't, when, when I apply pressure, they tend to shake. So as I'm driving, um, if my nerves get up a little bit, they start going, and it's like driving a car with eggs instead of wheels. And Rev, so, I just want to let you know, we cannot see you currently. Oh, that's right. We still have current speedway. <laughs> Rev is a talking racetrack right now. Uh, yeah. Zooms there in. we go. Hey, uh, there we go. That was where it was supposed to be from the, the get-go. And these are <laughs> just for you, Carl. <laughs> Damn fireworks, I swear. <laughs> with an entrance. Yes. Um, but no, uh, my, my hands, they don't, they tend not to grip very well. And over time fatigue, I'll start shaking and it's, I'll be doing this and the wheel will go like this. And usually the people around me go like this. <laughs> so, um, I just thought it was fair to enjoy the sport from a different point of view and race control is that for me. So, yeah. and like we said, I, I believe you do a, fantastic job with it um i i have had a, a different race control in the past and it really made me miss um my good friend rev let's just say that um but rev let, let's get a little background on you um i guess first we can just start out where you're from and whatever um additional background whether it's racing or not that you would like to share well i'm uh, originally i was born and raised in washington dc the murder capital of the world in the 70s i grew up as the minority in my neighborhood. The only one. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. You learn to fight really, really quick. Um, and then we left the ghetto for West by God, Virginia. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting reaction to West Virginia. <laughs> wild and wonderful and everybody's their own cousins uncle's wife's friend good to know good to have some confirmation on that it was terrifying there i mean my Worse parents washington dc in my opinion yes because you grew up knowing what the dangers were and when you left those dangers you found other ones you never knew existed in life uh, um that's why racism is important to me because I grew up in a neighborhood where I was the white kid. I would get beat by my, my buddy's mama, just like I was her own kid. So I didn't see anything color when I grew up because it was all the neighborhood raising you, you know? And when I got to West Virginia, it was like, I started gravitating to the only people I knew and uh, who I grew up with. Next thing you know, I was a, a lover of that uh, other color and I would get my butt beat there by both sides of the, of the, the, the fence. And I'm like, you know, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you learn, you learn to be very self-reliant uh, because you're now the outcast period because your own kind doesn't see you as their kind. The other kind doesn't see you as their kind. 
and you're just it, it's it was a tough upbringing and then we moved <laughs> it's okay um we we have we have a little diva here too so um so when i moved to florida it was just like oh hell florida man it's real <laughs> and that's that's actually when i started figuring out racing was for me it was in high school um started started working with a couple local guys here and there i'm not gonna name drop anybody um most of them were jerks <laughs> but you you learn to be a jerk too i mean if anybody's done any friday or saturday night racing y'all know what i'm talking about <laughs> and i i i I got kind of got away from the racing because in high school I started playing football and I really, really fell in love with football. I, I played middle linebacker in high school. Uh, I went on to play in college for a year before I blew out my knee. I uh, played at the university of Maryland. I would go Terrapins. Oh, wow. I never knew that. Yeah, well, uh, Galen something. Hall was my coach. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, there's a lot of things I don't share because <laughs> you, you, you actually get people to say, oh, no, there's no way somebody can do all of this stuff in their life. I said, look, if you want to do something, you got to go do it. If it's what's going to make you happy, don't worry about what other people think and just go do. And then I realized after my knee, uh, the bottom of my foot came up and touched my ribs. So my knee went backwards and up and I saw the bottom of my cleat. Oh, goodness. That was the end of football for me. So I joined the Navy. <laughs> that seems reasonable at the time. Well, I mean, it was a career, and uh, I I wasn't going to be able to pay for college myself. So right. then I figured the Navy would do it. So I went on. I kept uh, kept on. Um, I never finished my degree because I found racing when I got out. Uh, started racing with uh, some local guys. Got a job at the Sears Tire and Auto Center. Uh, doing brakes because <laughs> nobody else could do brakes. Next thing you know, I'm doing their alignments. The battery guy quit. Everybody was gone, and I had two tire guys and myself. And I'm like, okay. Got to do Time well. to just go racing for full-time. And I uh, found a guy who ran Goody's Dash Series. His name was Dan Partis. Um, and uh, I did the Goody's Dash Series, which you guys might know it by iPower Series, or the series where the track guy got run over. <laughs> I, I've heard of it build, as the Goodies Dash yeah. series. Yeah. Um, and that was a, that was an interesting series at the time because it was a tiny little motor and a tiny little car that went really fast at the big tracks, and it was uh, it was terrifying to watch. Let alone when Dan would come in or Danny Partis would come in, he'd look at you and go, "Is it over?" And you'd have to say, do I have to pinch you? Yes, it's over. <laughs> he goes, thank God. Those guys are fucking assholes. I'd rather drive I-4. Which, which says something if you've been on I-4 in Central Florida. It's kind of like I-5 out in California. It's just the worst. <laughs> but, I've um, heard plenty about both of them, so and I'm yeah. sure it's terrible. Yeah, there was a couple guys on that crew that uh, uh, Dave Savicki... Um, I'm not going to name any of the bigger names because it's not my job to tell you who else I knew in that time period, but people like Dave Savicki, George Troy, uh, Chet Robertson. Actually, you might know that name. Um, <laughs> these are all guys that we worked with, you know, in the lower levels. And it was kind of cool because you watch their careers start to grow. And next thing you know, you get that phone call. Hey, 
Dan's going to try his hand at, in cup racing. I said, what? He barely ran a couple ARCA races. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sure enough, uh, he uh, started running some cup cars. Uh, wasn't very successful. Um, uh, we learned some pretty hard lessons through that period. And uh, I'm, I'm actually going to bring up my Wikipedia on it. Yeah, please. Because uh, I'm really glad that we have you of you have one of the most, if not the most extensive um, careers in auto racing um, that I know of uh, from on a personal standpoint. Um, so it really brings a really cool perspective and, and shines a light on uh, everything that you've seen and your perspective that you have now on sim racing. Yeah, well. I mean, it's funny because a lot of people think all of this transfers over into sim racing. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at I mean, there, there's a base to it because I get I get people that ask me to to do things like, oh, can, well, can you get me a setup for the cup car at so and so? I can give you a basic setup, but you'd be better off with the sim setup and have somebody tweak it for you. You know, because I'm not familiar with those cars, the right. Gen Six car. I know nothing about it other than what I see in the in the sim. You give me a Gem Four car with the right type of setups, <laughs> I, I'll I'll make sure that shit sticks going to the moon. Um, <laughs> I, I cannot guarantee your tire wear, <laughs> but she gonna hold, <laughs> you know. Um, but all in all, it's like I can do enough to get you satisfied with a setup. I'm not comfortable giving somebody something because every time I have, it's always, hey, well, you know, it worked for this, and then it didn't work. I said, well, you didn't want to sit down with me for six hours and work on one setup, right. one aspect of a setup. You want to really work on a setup, you got to give us a couple days worth of, you know, three or four hour runs per day. And then we can get you a setup that's going to work well for you throughout an entire run. I mean, because th there's so much to to it. If you have ever googled a a pit uh, a pit sheet which is a like a spreadsheet just google some of that for the higher levels of racing sometimes you'll find some of the older ones um, when I moved on further in my career I was the car chief for the number 73 ARCD hooker machine driven by Eric McClure in the cup series he didn't make many races either there's a story behind why I never got to the big teams, but I think you already know that one. I uh, mean, I, I'd like to hear it if you're okay, okay sharing. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment, though. Okay. Um, I had, you know, those three ring binders, the, the big three-inch ones oh, yeah. like this? I had about 40 of those per chassis with full of checklists former setups in it every single time there's a setup that goes into whether it made it to a track or just from one earth pad to another in the shop we had to write it down because any movement of the car constituted a movement in parts so attention to detail was paramount uh these particular chassis that we have were built by morgan mcclure um and Ironically, his son drove for us, and that was part of the deal of getting the cars. And Eric was a good guy, but he was a complete ass to his 
but I'm not going to get into the personals because <laughs> beyond who I actually am. But uh, no, um, I worked for Jim and Judy Motors, Motorsports, um, and that was when Dan Pardis was our driver. Uh, we in 1997 we moved into the uh, Arca series, where we didn't run many because he couldn't really do much but he got a hankering to get his nascar cup series license so he did enough to get into it um let's see um when when dan he i know he went for the rookie of the year and i'm i'm i think it was 1999 i'm gonna actually bring up the sheet man i'm so when glad you that you're here old, with us rev when you get old, shit just leaves your head. <laughs> I guess I can't attest to that yet, but I mean, I, I feel will. like that already, though. And I, I'm not asking for sympathy or empathy from you. But, uh, <laughs> I, I'm scared to see what it's gonna what it's gonna be like, and I'm sorry for my my future wife already for uh, for my lack <laughs> of. Uh, she of will forgive you if she loves you. So. If she remembers herself. <laughs> right. Yeah, because it, initially it was Midwest Transit Racing is who we were officially for the 98-99 season. In 2000, we switched to Jim and Judy Motorsports. And that was the last year that um, we we really had anybody decent. Um, <clears throat> now, Hal Hicks and Mike Witter. Uh, were the guys who owned Midwest Transit Racing. Um, we had several drivers after Dan Pardis in the 99 season because he failed to qualify for Daytona and I think Charlotte. And then we had um, Ron Hornaday came in, junior, for a couple of races. He didn't qualify for any. And then we had Ricky Craven come in in 2000. Um, about halfway through the 2000 season or 1999 season. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I guess. Same, same difference. Um, but at the end of the 2000 season, we, we lost Ricky Craven to the Budweiser team, 25. Uh, we were the number 50 at the time. And then we ended up with Rick Mast and Rick Bickle for 2001. And that was our last year. Uh, as that team now i lost my job in 2000 right after we got ricky craven it was at daytona the twin twin 25s and uh i'm sorry this is beginning team, of 2000 yes okay the gatorade twin 125 races with the qualifier races or the daytona 500 okay. and um i saw something that was cheating now, I, I don't mind a little bit of pushing of the rules, but there's certain types of cheating that can actually cause death. And I try to be an honest man. And being an honest man in racing usually gets you fired or have the crap beat out of you. But I went to our, our crew chief at the time. I'm not going to say his name. Um, I can't. I'm not allowed. <laughs> there's paperwork. <laughs> but um, I went to him. I said, yo, dude, um, crimping that brake line is going to kill somebody. He crimped the left front at Daytona. 
So when you when you hit your brake, obviously that's going to keep rolling, or I mean the right front. That's the the it's going to keep rolling up there and pull the left front down the track. Right. And, and at was, the time, it was uh, a lot of handling was involved at Daytona. Uh, oh, yeah, right. It's, it's it was horrible. as much of a handling track as it was you, a speed track. You have to remember, like in 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 the sim, the 2011 and before track. That's a bumpy son of a bitch, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now imagine having a early Gen 4 car or a turn-of-the-century Gen 4 car um, where you're just past the, the extreme, extremely fast car. Mm -hmm. Now you have what they call the... Um, there, there were nicknames for it. And I'm, I, it doesn't matter, really. But the, these particular parts of the Gen 4 cars, the super speedway cars in particular, had these brand new noses on them, mm -hmm. okay? So instead of them being shaped like this and very flat and slightly rounded on each corner, they started protruding a little bit forward and then flat, okay? So that way you could still get up and push the car in front of you, but you could not move left or right. And I remembered watching several races that year, of people being turned at intermediate tracks mm -hmm. uh, that had these squared off noses instead of the uh, exaggerated sail on the left. Um, handling on those cars, most of the cars ran the Penske shock packages. Um, most of them with the nine to six ratio on it um, and bump stops. Mm -hmm. um, probably a high, high spring rate, so it was real stiff. And probably a chop spring. Um, if you could get away with a chop spring, you got away with it. And usually NASCAR kind of just looked this way for them anyway. Because they knew that helped handle better. It kept you lower to the track. And somebody's pointing. Oh, that was Carl going like this. And okay. correct me if I'm wrong. Um, this is before NASCAR implemented, I don't know what you want to actually call it. But there was some sort of like additional piece of metal slash fin on the roof of the cars at the super speedways soon after. Um, maybe 2001, 2002 season. That was the 2002 season. That was after Earnhardt. Right, okay. And so this is beforehand when these cars are hauling at super speedways. Yes. Um, we, it wasn't uncommon to see 205 on the backstretch. I mean, that was kind of a normal um, on the backstretch. Now, this is before the COT, right. which um, my, my final race team actually develop help part was part of the development of the cot well wow, all the way back then uh 2005 2004 okay, wow that's still early mm -hmm. on in the development process uh they came out in 2006 yeah i mean yep. yeah, that was awesome yeah they had about three years of development and every single engineer begged nascar not to build this car is it I'm just going to jump to, is it because of anything to do with the wing that they decided to put on it? Or what were the real reasons? That, uh, blaming it all on a wing is not going to cover it. Okay, that was one of many things. Okay, maybe this will help give you an idea. One of the engineers I got to work directly with said this, and I'm going to quote the best I can. He goes, how many Earnhardts do we need before they realize that this thing is a turd? 
And you're referencing the COT card, the one that they decided was the safest uh, that's ever been unveiled in NASCAR. And they put all the focus on very specific safety features, which were the safest ever in a race car. But the things they failed to do were what was going to kill a driver. And we are very lucky today that nobody died. Now, you can't ask like Jeff Gordon what it was like to hit that inside wall in that car. Yeah. Because he's not allowed to tell you. He's got an ironclad. See, that's the thing. These drivers will not tell you the truth. When you heard Kyle Busch after the Gen 7 car, after he backed it into the wall and thought he was going to die, you know, because of drivers like the ones that were talking behind the scenes after the COT, these newer drivers were saying, you know what, I'm not going to live my life that way. I'm saying something. Because you got drivers that drove through the COT whose careers were actually cut short because of the COT. Ask Jeff Gordon. He won't tell you, but he might look at you a little bit different after that. Because he'll know you know. He he was very different after that. Uh, And it took him many years to get back to his, even uh, a shell of his former self. First off, I am not a Jeff Gordon. I'm not expecting you to be. I'm I'm not going to butter anything here. Jeff Gordon was not a very nice person. Um, but oh, there are things soul. that I, well, I love you too because I see that twenty four right there. Right <laughs> hey, he, he, was, um, he was my guy growing up. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to break your balls here. Oh but, no, yeah, he was not a good guy. Um, he was he was a very mean spirited person. But where I do give him credit is is he was very good at his craft. I remembered watching him in the uh, Baby Ruth number one car. Mm-hmm. For the first time I ever saw him on track. Do you have one? I do. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, I gotta see this. <laughs> I, I'll have a story for him when he gets back then. But I'm gonna finish it's this. It's a redo. It's a it's a homage to that scheme um, by Michael Annette. But okay, awesome. The old six cylinder Bush cars. Uh, let me tell you, we had one of those in our shop. <laughs> yeah, we restored that for me uh, <laughs> back in 2005. Uh, okay, good. You did have yours on the whole time. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to restore one of his uh, with the original motor in it. Um, it was one of the motors he blew um, in a practice. Oh, That's awesome. But See, yeah, um, have so many awesome per- experiences, man. <laughs> when, when you're when you're in and around it, these aren't awesome. These are just days, every day. You know, kind of, but you're, you're speaking to people that love the sport, I... at least from the outside, and we haven't seen mm-hmm. the inside, so we don't have certain feelings that you have towards it. So we have those mm-hmm. those bright eyes and and fresh mm-hmm. feelings, I guess. See, I I know this, and I don't know why I don't take that into consideration when I tell <laughs> So, Rev, I actually wanted to go back. Um, of you were talking about the uh, the car of tomorrow and it mm. being not as safe as maybe um, NASCAR made it uh, appear towards the fans and and such. Um, what are your thoughts, though? Then on so when I think of the hardest crashes of that generation, I think of Jeff Gordon, like you said, um, at Vegas. I think of. Michael McDowell at Texas. Mm-hmm. 
and I mean, I guess another two would be Carl Edwards at Talladega. And I then say, Edwards at, at Talladega was probably one of the most uh, um, brutal ones at the end of the day because what you see, what you hear on TV is totally different than what happens on the infield mm-hmm. and around the garages once you get home. Um, there, There is a huge network of people that, um, uh, how do you say, communicate their differences within, it's a network. It really is. There is, there's a good old boys network and there's a, we don't like you boys network within NASCAR. Um, and you're either on one side or the other. And I, I have unfortunately ended up in that. We don't like you boys network because I told you so. Uh, I called that incident out. Sure enough, he wrecked a couple big names in that, that twin race and uh they said you can pick up your check monday wow uh because i went to the owner i said i told you to not let this car out on track at least let us fix it and he just says pick up your check monday and you got blacklisted. that's when i got blacklisted so no 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 great team is going to pull you in because you're you're not a team player at that point mm-hmm. and i just wanted what was right for that driver I wanted what was right for this team and their pocketbook. To be honest, I was a team player. I was trying to save them, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Most expensive cars in NASCAR at that time, mm-hmm. you know, because um, you you had already hit your peak popularity of NASCAR. The most money of all NASCAR was coming in in the late '90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. That's where the money was. Money stopped flowing the day Earnhardt died. I mean, I, I don't like to admit to that, but Earnhardt was the most popular driver in all of NASCAR history. Without Even doubt. more than Richard Petty. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Petty's a great guy. In fact, uh, one of the kids that lived lives right across the street from where I am, um, he was a Boy Scout with my brother. He works up at the, the Petty garages now. Oh, really? You know? Yeah, I just found out he does all the teardowns when they come back from the tracks. How neat. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? And this kid... <laughs> He's got the perfect attitude. He's a little shithead. He's an ass. <laughs> okay. He beat up one of my kids, you know, and I wanted to wring him and his father's neck. But you know what? The kid's doing good. He was very proud. He shows up in his Mustang that he just bought. And I was like, where did you get that? He goes, I got a new job. They like, cool. Where are you working? He goes, Petty. I'm like, get out of here. You ain't working. No way. Petty. He's driving a Ford with. Uh... Oh, you better believe he is. <laughs> oh, yeah. He keeps it in his dad's garage here. Because he can't drive it up there. <laughs> Probably smart. But he doesn't want to be caught in a Camry driving up there. Oh, no. No, I wouldn't. I would beg him to find somebody else to work for. I'd go send him to Gibbs before I'd send him back to Petty if he's going to drive away. Well, and you brought up uh, good points of that you were, you were doing what you saw was right. Um, at the yep. time of you recalling something out that one you felt was unsafe. Um, one that that's the biggest part of, I think of, of any team member, you, you should not be allowed to allow something unsafe to happen. And I, I give you a lot of, uh, I, a lot of respect, um, for that. Yeah. It's unfortunate that, uh, the, the boys club or whatever you want to call it, uh, did not partake to that. But, um, 
for, well, for what I'm, it's worth, sure. I have you have my back on on that choice and well, I respect it. Well, thank you. I, and I, and you know, it's it's funny because you know, I I may talk about it, I may sound bitter about it, I might be a little butthurt still today, but you know what? It is what happened. You know, and I I believe we all live on a path that is, uh, for the most part, righteous. You know, uh, no matter how big of an asshole I can be a bully, whatever it is I may be today or whatever it is I'll be doing tomorrow. Uh, as long as I live this life knowing that I'm going to do the right things overall, I think I'm okay, you know? And by making those decisions, it is what it is, okay? I mean, could I have not said anything and been probably filthy rich today? I doubt it because the mechanics never get <laughs> unless unless you're a big time crew chief or the 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 engine guy or you're not even the car chiefs make money in this day and age um maybe the shop manager the G gm of the actual garage itself not the gm of the full operation those are the guys that make the money these kids that go to like the the uti or whatever they call it now uh -huh. the nascar training these poor kids are led to believe that they're going to be something. Mm -hmm. They're not like when I did, when I was a car chief, I had to pull a crew chief and I had to hire a pit crew and train. Them. Okay. And nobody was really hiring college athletes at the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm like, you know, I got Bethune Cookman college after these guys who play football there. They're huge, but they're fast. I want them because they're not going to get into the NFL. They're seniors now. So I got me a couple of guys. We had like, we had what, eight black guys and two white guys on the crew. And I'm going to tell you what, we showed up to tracks and people hated us. <laughs> I, I mean, hated us. At that time for sure. For, for many reasons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, like I said, the good old boy network didn't like the <laughs> mm -hmm. this guy network. So we'd show up and, we're, we're half a second faster than everybody else on pit road. And they're like, well, what are you doing different? I said, I got me some athletes. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're Jimmy the Greek in it. What? And I'm like, well, what is he talking about? He goes, that's the guy that said that uh, all black people were bred for it. I was like, oh, wow. okay. I said, no, I just went out and found me some badass motherfuckers that know how to run good. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, oh, we know you. <laughs> you know? And I mean, they used to call me Mr. John. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I would I would get in there and show them like even after I broke my back in 99, uh, I would still get in there. I could still change a freaking tire. You know, I couldn't run around the car like I used to, but I could get in there and I could still show it, you know, and go through the, the, the cadence count. Bap, 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 getting back on, you know, you're done. Okay, I, I was really good at that. I was a front tire changer, so you had to be the faster guy. <laughs> you know, the rear tire changer sat there and waited and got around the car. <laughs> and then he then he could leisurely move around the back and wait for the fuel guy. <laughs> the catch can, man. Oh, wait, they're using the jacking screw. Okay. <laughs> you always put the slow guy on the rear. <laughs> but he had to have fast hands. So... That that was kind of the key with your rear tire changer. Front tire changer guy, man, first off, they had to be the most sure-footed guy you know. They had to be fairly fast, and they had to have really fast hands, okay? 
And they had to also learn how to look inside of that tire and see anything broken in an instant. That was one thing that was hardest to find in a lot of the mm-hmm. athletes because they, most athletes were there for scholarship and they didn't quite study at a level. So you needed to find an athlete who was also an academic, mm-hmm. somebody that was a quick learner, a quick study and things like that. And I'm going to tell you, these guys that I found over at BCC, these guys are awesome dudes. Um, I mean, I'm not going to name them out, but if they do ever watch this, you know, I love y'all. You guys are the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> Keep it real. Hope y'all had a lot of babies. All right. <laughs> <laughs> See, I know who just understood that one. Oh, boy. Uh... Well, in, in your time in, in racing um, in general, I'm sure uh, you have made quite an impact of whether you know it or not um, of standing your ground and in saying what you believe in when you believe in it um it's it's very awesome to to hear and you know you've made (laughs) more of an impact than you think you have i i man i just had fun with it Uh, that's at the end of the day that's all it was it was a lot of fun it wasn't even a job hell it didn't pay hardly at all in some places (laughs) yeah you were lucky but um like when we got to rabie racing which was the final team um they actually started as Daytona Speed Incorporated, run by uh, Greg Sachs, and that was in 2004. Uh, Greg Sachs is a, a really nice dude, but he's very naive as far as being a boss. <laughs> um, but uh, the the main money behind his operation split off and took the cars from him, and that that's when McClure started driving for us. And, mm. uh, that was a lot of fun. It was an awful lot of fun. Man, I I will never get tired of of hearing any stories you have. You are <laughs> the the greatest storyteller. I know this is running long. So. No, I mean this is not a problem at all. Just because I mean we don't have a whole bunch of NASCAR stuff to cover today. Um, there are some minor rule changes we'll get to, but I I've really wanted you here to to have your highlight of not many people even in the league know really too much about you. Um, cause you're not on the track with us. Um, I like taking long places. walks on the beat. Uh, <laughs> I like to pick my nose when the camera's on and I don't know it's on. Um, no, no, I'm just, I love y'all. <laughs> well, and, and we love you. And I'm so glad that you're here, um, to join with us and, and give people an insight of, of your past and, and your current even. So I'll move on to our, uh, our next question for you. Oh, um, so you already mentioned you're not biased towards anyone in the league. However, obviously you are a NASCAR fan. And with becoming a NASCAR fan, you have to have a favorite driver of sorts. So who is your favorite driver in the Cup Series, I guess? He isn't in the Cup Series yet. Okay. If it's not, that's fine. Um, I When you watch a young driver come up from an early age... You know, there's a lot of things you look for, and there's a lot of things that are always assumed about drivers, especially when they're female. And I'm talking about Haley Deegan. I uh, I got to see her run down here in New Smyrna, and uh, I knew she existed. I knew she already won a Winston West race, and or whatever it's called now, uh, whatever the series is. Yeah, it uh, changes too much. Yeah, NASCAR West. We'll just with that yeah um and i was like yeah she's coming down let's go watch a race you know i watched her do some things that 
set her above some of these local guys that have been racing for years. She did a couple smart moves on that track that, I mean, this is my home track. I've, I've run this track thousands and thousands of laps. Okay. And she did something that most of the guys there still don't do. And I thought that's smart. So I started really watching her career and, uh, Forget her YouTube channel. I think that's a bunch of Haley Deegan that. YouTube. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. Some NASCAR fans are familiar. Yeah. Well, I'm not a fan of that part of it. But uh, <laughs> watching her drive, I and the truck series was a very bad rap for her. It didn't matter what kind of equipment she had. It's the bullying, and that same thing happened to Danica. So she got very defensive in her driving and became a shit show because of it. Mm-hmm. But Haley's not showing those moves. Not, not to the extent that Danica did. And I think, I think she's in the right series right now for her skill level. Will it be rough? It's going to be rough for probably two years, two seasons. I, I just hope nobody writes her off before that and that she has some good coaching um, for her mental side. Mm-hmm. I really, really pray she has some good mental coaching. It's because the girl can fucking drive. I don't. I don't care what anybody. She's better than all of us in this league combined. Ah, so, I mean, that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just saying. And I'm. In, I'm impressed with her driving skills. So, she's going to be my pick, even though she's not in the series yet. She will be. So that's my favorite driver. I. I love that pick. And going back to, uh, she. She's better than all of us. I mean. Gonna, Cody Ware is better than all of us in the league, and that's no disrespect to us or him. Um, it is just the nature of it. Uh, you, you can give me any, almost any driver in ARCA for the most part. They're better than all of us. Um, there, there's uh, a reason they're doing it for maybe not quite a living yet, but they're doing it for a living. Well, you, well, you remember John Garrett. Yeah. Over yeah, yeah. SRL. He's an ARCA driver. Exactly. You know, uh, I, I, I've got to, I got to meet him, I think, not – not this past year, the year before I, I went down Daytona, I shook his hand for a minute. He was very busy and that was, you know, but what a great guy. Um, and he's not on that level in ARCA to be a heavy competitor, but what he is, is really good. He's very consistent. When he was in SRL, he didn't win every race. You know why? Cause he wasn't fighting for the win. He was fighting for the fun, and that's exactly how he drove in the ARCA car. I was I was completely impressed with him. Yeah, will he ever go into the Bush Grand National or a truck or the Cup? No. Oh man! Say, hey, 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 hey! Look, he, he, he just aged himself there. This is, this is the last dance I had. I actually have a hold on. Uh oh. Uh-oh. I can only imagine the uh, the amount of memorabilia that he has from the years. Oh, man. Let's see what we got here. I only got a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Go through a full victory lane hat dance. But uh, I may have done a little work. Is this a Joe Nemechek or is this a uh, Jeremy Nadeau? I can't Mark I... Martin. Oh, that even I completely forgot that he was part time in the in the O one. He was the first O one driver. Was he really? Was when he, it him when and 
when he left Hendrix, because you remember he left Roush, went to Hendrix, and then went to the 01. That was the first year of the 01. Are you sure it wasn't the 01 before? I don't remember now. My timeline's getting all messed up because I'm thinking mm, of. You, you know what? I Now, you may be correct. I'm thinking uh, of the Daytona 500 from 07. Was that Mark Martin that was side by side with um, Kevin Harvick at the line? Yeah, because yeah. that that was the first up 500 that Mark was going to win, and Harvick stole it from okay. him. And I was very very pissed off, and I threw <laughs> shit all through the pit area <laughs> and into the garage area. And I had a security card come up and say, "Well, where's your identification? You can't be back here." I said, "I don't know. I threw it." <laughs> and I was escorted out until somebody brought me my my, my oh, hot pass back to me. And the the story on this hat, you'll see a line where it's like up here. Oops, there you go, right there, that line. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is race fuel bleaching because <laughs> I threw this hat too. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, good to know that race fuel does bleach a hat like that. The next year, I had a very good friend of mine who was in Gatorade Victory Lane for the 50th running of the Daytona 500. Uh, excuse me, I think it was the 2000. Yeah, 2008. This is the. This is still unwashed. It still has champagne and beer and. Yeah, it's got all the stuff still on it, so it's stained pretty heavily, but uh, this is the oh, that's neat. Gatorade Victory Lane Edition. That is wow. so cool. On, only available in, I think there's only uh, 200 of them printed. Wow. So this is, and I also have a 2007, but that one was, I found it in the garbage can behind <laughs> lane. And I said, okay, I didn't get earned this one, but you know what? I'm taking it. No, a buddy awesome. of mine had me come in with his team for that win. And you can look up Ryan Newman. You can look it up. You can look it up. Ah, okay. Yes, yeah, Steven, he, look it up. God. Apparently. <laughs> but he but he did a razor commercial at one time. <laughs> come on, man. 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 Come on. Oh. You know? No. no? No. Oh man, man. It's <laughs> greatest razor commercial ever. I mean, <sighs> you have to realize going going back to even 2008, I was only 12 years old. Um, <laughs> a little whippersnapper you. Yeah, my, my the first year I remember <laughs> even watching NASCAR was like vividly have memories of it was 2003 um season. Yes, I know of the history before then and have rewatched races, thankfully, uh, to YouTube and, right. and NASCAR. I'll, I'll date myself just to help you out. Um, my first NASCAR race was the 1986 Firecracker 400. That's uh, yeah. oh, that's before any of my siblings were alive. Yeah, I'm and uh, I'll, I'll never forget that because uh, Richard Petty wrecked, and it was right up against the fence. I was sitting in row three. Um, just before the um, start finish line, start finish line, maybe getting the wrong. Give me a second. Very good. Okay. 
if uh, anyone watching right now has any questions that they would like to to ask Rev, please feel free to uh, put your question <laughs> in the comment box, and I'd be happy to read it off and uh, get him to answer it wholeheartedly for you. <laughs> All right, Rev. Pineapple on pizza, yay or nay? Oh, absolutely. There we go. <laughs> absolutely. Right. But, but no ham. Good night, Stephen. <laughs> um, but but I will not do the ham. I only do bacon with it. So That's okay. the right answer, though. There you go. There you go. You redeemed yourself. <laughs> Half, halfway. I told, I'm different, man. I am totally different than anybody you've ever met. I'm oh, sure man. you know that. But yeah, pineapple and bacon on yes. is amazing. There you go. Uh, if you got a third chance, I love to put a uh, third topping. I love to put the pine, uh, the pepperoni on there. But that you know, that's just classic. Third topping with pineapple and bacon. Yes, sir. Black olives. Okay, I'm, I'm going back. Oh. To that. <laughs> oh. Sweet and savory, nice, salty black olive. I think Stephen just threw up in his mouth a little bit. He's now leaning back in his chair, gaining. I'm drooling now, though. That sounds delicious. My palate's not as developed, I guess. I tell you what, next year when you come down for the for the uh, Daytona, yes, yes, definitely. I am going to make you. I, and I'm gonna make you eat it. There you go. You can make it all you want, but I can I can refuse eating it. I, no, I will starve. No, then, then you, if if you don't eat it, you're cut off from all alcohol. Period. Done. Well, good thing Over. I don't drink. Wow, well, Move a bitch. No water for you. Done. No, that first race there was no um, t- Winston Tower or whatever they call it now. The big tower at Daytona that didn't exist. You had covered grandstands. Mm. The upper half of the stands were just covered, and it was only about thirty rows up, um, maybe forty rows high. So there, there was a backstretch grandstand all the way over by um, turn the entry to turn three, and that's back when you could still go to the race for five dollars on the backstretch. But it was first come, first serve, and they only had 300 seats back there. Mm-hmm. And these were like high school stadium bleachers. bleachers yeah. <laughs> yep. That's the vibe it gives and you. I mean, was, you have to go to a race for five bucks. I'll take it. Well, back then, five bucks was 20 bucks today. I mean, shoot, I mean, 10 years ago at Texas Motor but... Speedway, you could have gotten in for $5. Yeah, <laughs> and you didn't have to be a minor, right? <laughs> no, they'll they'll let you in. They'll let you in for free at this point. But now uh, that following five hundred, I snuck in to Daytona. I uh, are you sure you I want to exact... uh, to admit oh, to this? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've actually discussed it with people that were in charge at the time because I did get caught, but <laughs> they liked how I got in and. They apparently liked how I spoke with them. I don't know. Maybe it was the gift of gab that got me out of it. But uh, you know, I'd yeah. be willing to put my money on that one, there, Rev. I I ended up in um on the roof with the spotters for the rest of the race. No way! Oh, wow. What a so I I think that's where uh, my love for the interworkings of the racing was spawned. Um. I weaseled my way in. 
kind of leads to a an interest. I had a nickname called the Senator um, <laughs> when I did lo- my local racing because I would show up and they didn't know what race team I was with or anything. So I'd walk around, I'd kiss babies, you know, you know <laughs> talk to talk to the wives. In the meantime, I'm I'm literally would speak gibberish about racing. But what I was actually doing is I was watching the mechanics. I saw what jet they would put into their carburetors. I would see the float level they were running on a specific type of car. If it was a Holly 700 Series 750, uh, whatever, I knew their equipment as well as they did. So that way, when I went back to my pit, I told, I told our guy, I said, look, okay, this is what so-and-so is running. This is what so-and-so was running. He's got about a four-inch stagger. Blah, 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 blah. And I would just, I would tell all. And nobody knew what I was doing and why is our driver just like beating the crap out of people every week in inferior equipment? Because he had junk. He had a he had a Mopar 360. It had cracks in the block that we had welded three or four times over. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure piston, the number seven cylinder didn't have any piston rings left. We were running on seven most of the time. Wow. And he was still beating everybody. I mean, I got my ass whooped. But people started calling me the senator because their wives loved me. Their kids loved me. So they wouldn't let them beat me too bad. I mean, you know, I I was an asshole, dude. (laughs) Were? Oh, I I can still be one if you want me to be. Hey, I mean, all I'm going to say is when when you give me penalties for, for incidents that may or may not have been my fault, they're all your fault, I, Steven. That's true. That's true. Not this season, though. Look, it's I, okay. Look at, uh, look at it this way, Steven. I can't make a mistake if you guys aren't making them out there in the first place. <laughs> there you go. That's a that's a bright, brand new perspective for me. Do not I, give I, me the opportunity to fuck it up. <laughs> it won't get fucked up. I, I, I definitely gave Rev plenty of opportunities to... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, displaces ire upon me. <laughs> well, I, I did. I did. That's true. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, is like I was saying earlier, I don't like to look at a name when you're racing. I look at a car number. Mm-hmm. I try not even to look at your damn paint. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I don't want any personal connection with your number. So when we sitting in here, Stephen, I'm I do I see the O2, I see the zero two, whatever, and I see a seventy one, whatever. Don't you do that? Um, <laughs> don't you look at me in that tone of voice? Um, but no, I and that's one of the hardest things to do is because you know I, I like you guys, I really do, and I don't want to give a penalty if I don't really have to. And when I see an incident play out on my screen it may play out different on yours because of the net code differences between where I sit versus the server, where you sit versus the server. I could really see something completely different in my replay than yours. So when somebody does come, come at me and say, you are wrong. I just, I literally just had this happen last night. Um, they say, absolutely. 100% you fucked it up. You're wrong. You're a piece of this and so on and so forth. I was really, really tore into the other night or last night. And I had to explain to them. I said, look, 
I understand what you're saying. And until you can show me your video, your perspective on this, I cannot overturn anything because I'm showing you exactly what I saw. And when they did show me their view, yeah, it was completely different. Absolutely. There was a huge net code involved. I mean, three feet. This is the worst one I'd ever seen. So I retracted it, and I said I was wrong. I said, if you didn't show me that, I would have stood by my decision all day long. You know? And that's an interesting point that I feel like a lot of drivers don't think about of like you said, it, it could be vastly different of what you're seeing versus what they're seeing. Um, and, and they don't see it from, from your perspective. They're just like, hey, come on, like, clearly it wasn't my fault or whatever it may be. Yep. And, well, uh, and, and it's more, more than just that. Like, uh, Tuesday night, Atlanta Motor Speedway, it's a really tight pack super speedway. Everyone's blood is pumping. Uh, Steven, I've revved, you know, you, once you're in the scene, you know, you're, you're in the zone. Uh, obviously everyone, everything is everyone else's fault and it, it's straight up, you know, um, 100%. It, it's always someone else's fault. And I'm not going to lie after Tuesday's night, I was, um, less than pleased. I was mad at myself. I was mad at the world. I, I even told Richard, I DM'd him says, dude, I'm going to take a break from discord for a bit. I'm going to cool off. Yeah. And I, I asked him that. after. I asked him afterward, I said, is he good? He goes, he'll be fine tomorrow, but not right now. <laughs> and, and that's what it was. Is I Actually, it was funny. After the race, I went and tried to fix the, my dryer, and I took my frustrations out on a dryer. But, <laughs> you know, uh, after, after taking taking a step back, and it's like, you know, uh, you get in those positions, and especially one where uh, Rev, the second one with Breyer again with 31, and I give him a, a, too much of a bumper. Like, that's going to be a scolding for the 71. He's got to be watching. I was like, I was, I was like, I was pissed off. But then after sitting back thinking about it, I was like, you know, I definitely deserved it because we were down there at 14th, 15th. There was no freaking reason to do what I did. So, well, well uh, the, irony, yeah. the irony with that is, is, you know, you weren't the first one to have that cause an incident. And in order to penalize somebody for that, I got to do it equally. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and in that, at, at Atlanta, in this configuration with this POS of a car, I really believe that nobody should be penalized for that because of a track configuration <laughs> and an unbalanced nose shape. It, yeah. These are the worst cars in the world. I would mm-hmm. rather run an, a a Gen Four downforce car at a super speedway than these i'm sorry mm-hmm. i i do hate these cars <laughs> and, and by the way when you were talking about fixing out the dryer <laughs> oh no i love you God. i love you there is nothing wrong there. They, she just needed help with the dryer. Uh, the, you know, it's funny. I, had to, I was replacing the heater <laughs> element, and I blew that up. So that's the situation I'm in. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, so, you know, this is a fun reprieve from daily household chores, I guess. <laughs> Got you, Steven. You know oh, I love you, man. right? Yeah, he hates me right now. Oh, really Stephen is fucking red, even the, <laughs> even in that blue light. Look at that. <laughs> All right, um, we are a little off I'm the rails sorry. here. No, 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 no. <laughs> Nothing you can say can make up for what you have done. Uh, <laughs> I'm just playing with you, but maybe, let... maybe this whiskey's getting to me. <laughs> Either that, or the the real Florida man is coming out. 
um, from Rome. Oh, I'm not looking for frozen uh, iguanas yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> oh, I think my camera froze. Oh, yeah, uh, you know, here we go. You, you have that look of disgust on your face. <laughs> <laughs> what a... What it is literally doing? frozen on your face there, Stephen. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's fine. Just do that. Oh. <laughs> Break. This real quick. While I'm fixing this, um... Now I broke Carl. Oh, he's really breaking it now. Yeah, I'm breaking both of y'all. But, uh, while I'm fixing this, um... Rev, I am, I'm curious of... So when you did drive, you were... Real life yeah. uh, experience. Yeah. We keep talking about it. I personally, I love just sitting here listening to stories, and it really helped me uh, during the twenty-four. We were talking earlier, just listening to some of the stories. Um, but the, to transfer that into the virtual world, um, you know, just just seeing you are definitely a seasoned veteran of the real world. What definitely helped you kind of dip into that virtual iRacing world and help us um, gamers expand our knowledge and get better. Honestly, discipline is the best advice you can give anybody. Um, not discipline in your mistakes, but discipline in the rights. And sometimes you don't know what you're doing is wrong until somebody mentions it. Um, uh, uh, for instance, you know, you know, breaking later at Coda and then making a later corner entry, which gives you a straighter shot out, which mm -hmm. actually what time you're losing breaking, you're gaining two to three fold on the exit because you have a much longer exit now. You know, mm -hmm. you get up to speed. So by the time you get to turn two, you're moving faster and you're able to break into a corner and take the dive, not the dive bomb into that corner and still maintain a little bit higher speed. So just simple advice like that, that, that shows that maybe what you were doing before isn't necessarily wrong, but it can be done better. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think that's something that a lot of people really should focus on more is, you know, trying something different with, without really understanding right away until they've tried it and given it a really good um, chance, if that makes any sense. So, so is that what kind of intrigued you about the virtual side of things, the iRacing things, is how you can maybe some of the basics. And, you know, I once had a uh, high school football coach tell me the difference between good and great are the small things and, and the mm -hmm. very small things. And it, do you think it, your, your experience with real life helps you bring some of that, especially that basic knowledge, to the virtual world and helping us who want to get better? I, I think, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you, you, Gavin Rogers, I think, is a prime example. Oh, why, why is he so fast? Why does he win all the time? Why is he, why, why, why? Don't ask why he's doing better. Ask why you aren't as good as him. And I can tell you what that is, but are people willing to listen to it? You make too many little mistakes. It's all the little ones because in mm -hmm. your brain, your brain is telling you, oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Oh, that one didn't matter. And then you're doing it and not even knowing you're doing it. Mm -hmm. You do one lap at uh, any track, Bristol, one lap. You know how many little mistakes you just made? Mm -hmm. And you don't even acknowledge that you made them because you don't see them. 
because you've oh, taught yourself to ignore them. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I have, uh, I've heard stories of, uh, I went to, to school and I went to uh, chassis fabrication. And of course there's a lot of welding, a lot of uh, uh, precision bending, a lot of stuff like that. And, there was the one question that was uh, <laughs> that was brought up, and it's like, who do you prefer to have? Someone who has a lot of experience or someone who has no experience? And I think one of the major surprises of that answer was the instructor said, I'd rather have someone with no experience because they don't have any bad habits to unlearn. Yep. And and that and that's what really hurts a lot of uh the younger drivers is sometimes they learn a lot of bad habits. You have to unlearn unlearn those. And I I, I think I can speak from experience. I went from kind of trucks to the next gen cup cars and kind of skipped Xfinity. And there was a lot that you learn in the truck series to how to do that doesn't work in the next gen cup car. So it's you learn a lot of bad of, habits in the truck. It, Exactly, and in, and it's one of those situations where uh, you got to learn the basics, and if you can get the basics down, then you can build upon that. Yeah, I I think one of the best starter cars for stock car stuff, full bodied stock car racing, would actually be something like, uh, and, and you guys are probably going to think I'm shit for saying it, but something like the Holden, uh, the V8 supercars, because mm. they got the power, they got a smaller width or their mm -hmm. stance is a little bit smaller, tires aren't quite as wide, and your wheelbase is about the same. Mm -hmm. And if you can learn to dominate that tire set on with that stance and that particular weight balance package, I think you have a pretty good chance of getting into the ARCA side of it um, with a much better respect to the balance of the car because mm -hmm. when when you start talking about the balance of a car and, and and you'll understand this through fabrication is the balance of a car needs to be able to shift on command by mm -hmm. the driver and if you're able to take something with a higher cg like those holdens and the cadillac mm -hmm. and stuff down in those v8 supercars if you're able to take and learn how to tilt that you know, front, back, mm -hmm. left, right with that higher CG. Now that you're going to lower it a little bit and say that Arca car, now you have a much, much better chance of learning how to control, say, the the um, uh, Xfinity car. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, then you're then, now you're in a whole different ball game. You <laughs> exactly. know, because now now you have this very narrow stance when you move from that up into the Cup car, which is mm -hmm. a much wider stance, mm -hmm. same wheelbase but a wider stance. So you're going to get both of those between that Holden and the Arca car. And then you're mm -hmm. going to go back to the quote unquote Holden by going to the Xfinity car and then back to the cup car. You get mm -hmm. that same transfer of width more or less. Mm -hmm. So now you've watched your CG go step, 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 step. Now you know what to feel as you go through those steps as a car sets into a corner. What are you looking for when you go into say a corner at Bristol? Do you want to feel the back right set down? That way, you know, you can drive through the corner now. Absolutely. You want to feel that. Now, can you feel that in sim racing? 
Yes. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Rev, uh, just just for uh, people, if you're just tuning in, CG, center of gravity, and that's really what you're trying to tune your car to on a certain track, on a certain chassis. Um, it, he's talking about those uh, holding cars, the supercars. Those are definitely a little higher in terms of the center of gravity. They run a little taller, but, but they're mostly because they run... Uh, the road courses, uh, the Bathurst 12, or I'm sorry, just Bathurst in general, super popular supercar series. Um, if supercars ring in a bell, you just saw uh, Shane Van Ginsbergen win Chicago Street <laughs> yeah. Course. We brought that up a little bit, and it's funny that Rev bring that, brings that up and how similar those setups are. And I think we hit on it either episode one or two uh, here at the Holler Podcast. So it's funny that he's bringing that up. But yeah, there's a lot that goes uh, as, as a viewer so you see a car on a pavement track and that's all it is but is uh you yourself rev and myself it's all about the geometry the physics of it you have track to the tire you have the trier to the suspension and how you set it up um with those holding (laughs) cup cars they're set up to bounce a little bit and with these oval tracks arca truck xfinity it's much more predictable so the tolerances are so much more finer in those setups and you don't feel it as quick that's why i say you always go to that higher cg setup car Mm -hmm. in order to learn what to start feeling because when you get in something with that lower cg or that that what they call that quadra triangle positioning of your uh your tires to your cg um you you really because as that comes down that center of gravity Mm. as it moves down your feeling in the seat or through your butt kicker or in your wheel Mm -hmm. drops exponentially Mm-hmm. So going from, say, that hold into an ARCA car, you're going to get a nice little step down. It's enough to where you know there's a difference, mm-hmm. okay, but you're still able to feel that difference. So being able to uh, move, you know, one to another after not master, you don't have to master it in that holding. Mm-hmm. You just have to go over and learn enough of it to recognize certain things. When when it when are you going to get that what they call that balance tilt? Mm-hmm. When are you going to get the shocks to load and keep you where instead of continuing to drop down based on your spring rate? Blah blah blah. I mean, I we could go into all of that. Oh, oh we haven't even touched would, slip angle and, and stuff <laughs> like that and everything. <laughs> uh, so it, we, exactly, I think it, we would lose a lot of people. <laughs> I think we already have. We've talked <laughs> math. And, and and that's what's really funny about uh, you know you, you think about stats in terms of like football you Rev I think a lot of us have some sort of deep love for football I know Stephen is talking uh, the Dallas Stars hockey there but uh, don't even bring it, up the uh, the other Dallas team please yeah, I'm, I'm still recovering. Uh, <laughs> you deserve that, Stephen. But um, it, it really is more than just uh, numbers and stats in racing. There's so much math and a lot of geometry that you learn. And uh, it, we're all number guys. We mentioned uh, the very beginning of the podcast. We opened talking about uh, the 24-hour uh, of Daytona that we did last week. And uh, Stephen d- deals with numbers all the time. It's just crazy how much detail goes into these cars. And I think um, it's maybe a little underappreciated in terms of the efforts, especially uh, on the sim side, on the IRL side. It's just a lot of work that goes into these. And we just appreciate 
appreciate, I think, just that much more how much the efforts that get that we get to bring this to you on track Tuesday nights. It's just so much fun seeing the crossover. I'm having a blast. I, I can't speak for everybody, but it <laughs> seems like um, everybody in this league so far has, mm-hmm. ha- has brought a very unique uh, identity to, mm-hmm. to their, to their craft here. You got the guys that are still, well, all of us are still learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have guys that have gone so far out of their way to be here and they're they're proving to me every week that they want to be better and mm-hmm. when you're race control you and this is something i i try to try to use as a philosophy i'm not here to punish you i'm here to help you get better through showing you not only letting you know that you made the mistake but if you, if after a race somebody wants to say well what could i have done different Mm-hmm. Well, come see me. Come see Stephen. Come see Gavin. Go, come see Carl. Come see Richard. Anybody, okay? They, if they have the knowledge to give to you, I'm pretty sure they're going to share. They're not going to share a race strategy or a setup with you. <laughs> but well, they're setup. Not much yeah, we can maybe. change. Well, yeah. I mean, with the fixed setup, you have the break bias, and I really want to see everyone competitive. So I, I will, I will concede that point. Yeah. But yeah, for the most part, you're right there. You know, if you find some sort of rhythm or a, a strategy you think you're gonna uh, overtake the rest of the field, then yeah, it, it's not going to be shared. But um, I think uh, Stephen and you and myself have kind of roughly the same experience. Which, while it's not enough, a, a lot in terms of experience, but we have enough. Um, I, at least. For for me, I like to consider I've made a ton of mistakes, and that's how I learn. Like, if I do it good, I'll think of a hundred ways I could have done it bad. But if I do it bad, then I think of that one way not to do it again. So yeah. I, I, that, that's kind of my approach to that. You bring up a really good point, and uh, that is how I feel like I used to think a lot. Um, I, I wouldn't think of the things I was doing good. Um, I would think of that one thing I did bad, and I'm never going to do that again. However, I will say recently, I think my mentality on that has changed. Um, and I, I want to attribute that to, to Adam and Gavin being my teammates. Of Gavin has really especially made my mentality change to what I could be doing better um, as opposed mm-hmm. to what I did wrong. What I did wrong mm-hmm. is what I did wrong. Learn from it and move on. But what can I do that I'm not doing now? that will give me that extra edge that will give me that extra 10th whatever it is or save that extra little bit of tires that i need um so i feel like making that step has been the biggest uh game changer i guess in in my racing of i i used to be i was i was thrilled with the top 10 if i get a top 10 now like mm-hmm. I, I expect <laughs> nothing less than a top 10 um each and every week and, and mm-hmm. that's just me holding myself accountable if I don't get a top five, I am very disappointed in myself at mm-hmm. this point. Um, but it's it's about making that switch. And, and Rev brought up earlier about how much uh, mentally um, mm-hmm. racing is, especially sim racing. Um, there's only so much that we can control driver-wise in the sim. Um, it's more of how you think about it. Yeah, 100%. There's, there's no arguments there from the people that actually know. And I, I think one of the, one of the things I, I, I really think would help most of the drivers is mistakes will happen. 
You can control the severity of the mistake. Okay. Arca breaking. For the life of me, I don't understand why people want to call it the Arca break <laughs> when sometimes it's just unavoidable. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At a super speedway, you're getting Arca break. Mm-hmm. Don't complain about it. If you're sideways and you're being Arca break, you didn't do something. Why are you sideways straight. on a super speedway? <laughs> so when you talk about getting hit by a car that's doing 185 miles an hour, they are not stopping on a dime. Mm-hmm. They're not going to turn their wheel hard enough without sliding through the turn and into you. So it's not an arca break. It's just shitty luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to get even over the that. most skilled driver wouldn't avoid it. Ask Tony Stewart. He's done it to happen. a few people. <laughs> A few. I mean, well, I, sorry, Tony Stewart. I didn't mean to use your name there. Oh, but don't worry, he's not listening. Hard. No, no, he has bigger <laughs> things going on. Or, or not. I'll get smoked. Ah. <laughs> but anyhow, <laughs> no, but but the thing is, is you know, that's like one of my biggest pet peeves. Is somebody, you know, right, why are people arca breaking? Well, you know what? Slow down, and everybody together. If you're doing 55 on the highway, you're not getting arca break. <laughs> exactly but you're doing 200 you're getting arca braked when an accident happens because mm-hmm. not everybody's going to be able to slow down without you know losing traction it's going to happen so especially when you're running at the such close tolerances now if you are quarter mile back at daytona and then you arca <laughs> break somebody i'm gonna have an issue with that but no, at the end of the day, you you can control your mistakes, and that's one of those examples. That's a that's a mistake nobody can control. Mm-hmm. Okay, still a mistake. I mean, accidents are called accidents for a reason. They're not called on purposes. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you imagine that ticket? <laughs> this was an on purpose, not an accident. Why did you get a ticket? Oh, I did it on purpose. Yep. <laughs> it just sounds ridiculous. So, you know, if you can take that mentality and move it into the, the thinking when, when you're on track and you are involved in something and somebody hits you, you've got to understand that, you know, they probably just couldn't avoid it. It happens. Um, and that doesn't go just with any accident. Sometimes somebody's moving in and out above or below you, you know, and... You know, they might get that little speed wobble and come down and touch your door. It's an accident. Are they going to get penalized? Probably. Okay. But it's not like I'm penalizing them for the sake of penalizing someone. Mm-hmm. It's in our rules. Okay. If you create the incident, you're probably going to be penalized. Mm-hmm. You know, if net code is involved, I, I'll do what I can to catch that net code. Like, for instance, if two cars are, you know, this far apart and this is the one that turns somebody, you know, that net code is six inches. They were probably going to hit. But if they're 18 inches apart on my screen, um, I got to give the benefit of the doubt to the net code, not the drivers. And people get mad at you for that one because, oh, you're it's a cop out. You're taking the easy way out, easy way out. And you don't want to do diligence to see that he was moving down. I said, yeah, but I don't know what happened in that 18 inches. Do you, 
Well, you know, and it's funny. I have raced in in leagues that don't have a race control, and it's pretty much <laughs> the accountability there is almost zero. It's it's you know, if you're a good person, you'll learn. If not, then well, it doesn't matter. Having a race control, especially one that's impartial, and you get that penalty, and we talked about it, it in the moment, it's never your fault. It is, of course, never, never your fault. But being that impartial person, you know, having that view of it, it just makes it that much more, um, uh, I should say, the accountability, I guess, is is, mm-hmm. is the point. Is hey, you did a thing, and you know you did a thing. Don't make me come. You know, there's a reason I'm out here. <laughs> I could not be here, and it wouldn't even matter. So, you know, being here, being able to put that judgment on the situation, I think it is a huge thing for leagues and being able to grow, knowing what you did wrong. And I, I honestly, Rev, uh, it is the best. Um, I haven't gotten better uh, until I, you know, joined up with you, learned how to drive a little differently, and I've I've been able to succeed a little bit more because of um, the tough lessons I've learned driving. Well, well, the thing is, it's like your, you, your eye there. You have to think yourself. You shouldn't think me. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to be very honest why. Okay. Because if you, if you don't take the information you're giving and use it, then my information is shit. It doesn't mean anything. So thank yourself for getting better because you're able to take the information I am giving you and use it to make you better. And well, that's, that's the, the lesson I want people to understand. Well, and that's the thing is, I think sometimes a race control is especially a very observant one can be underappreciated because you you can have that basis to learn off of, and you if there's that opportunity, you definitely need to take it. Uh, but I think uh, we're definitely getting along in the podcast here. Um, Fifty four, though, I think is the number you like to race when you get a chance to race the rev. Why the fifty four? <sighs> Uh, that was my first jersey number in football, which is cliche, I know. But uh, uh, being dyslexic and ADHD, ADD, I would flight out sometimes. And there's a really, really old 50s program called Car 54, Where Are You? And uh, they would say my last name, 54, Where Are You? And I'd be on the sideline and staring at one of the water girls or the cheerleaders <laughs> or trying to find my brother and my sister and my mom and dad in the stands or, and they would be yelling for me over and over again. So that number kind of stuck and uh, it stuck through all of all my football rugby that I played very shortly over in Japan. Um, I was in the Navy at the time. I was stationed over there. Were, so. were you better at rugby or football, Rev? I loved rugby a lot. Too much. I liked hurting people. <laughs> I could see that. I I really, really, I mean, th- th- this was uh, an actual concern for me because I, I thought I needed mental help because I really enjoyed hurting people. Uh, I, I earned the nickname Nuts um, <laughs> in the Navy because I was the wedge breaker um, on our football team. And my goal was to take whoever the guy was in the middle of the wedge and put him into a hospital, if not his grave. 
you know, I, I think and, the issue there is, uh, Rev, you were middle linebacker. I think right there just outlines <laughs> the entire situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it, his, his inner Ray Lewis I, now and I'm flattered. Oh, man. You, you have to be a different breed to be a middle linebacker there. Well, it, it's funny because, like, you know, I'm, I'm only six foot tall, okay? But, like, all my rosters always listed me at six four. Why, why do that? I'm a tiny guy. Intimidation. I just, I, well, I mean, my calves are huge. Well, they used to be huge. I have a lot of leg power. And that was like my, my pride and joy was Arnold Schwarzenegger's calves are less than mine. Ooh, I have that's a real prideful thing. Well, I had 27 inch calves. <sighs> Put that one through your brain. I, I'm trying to, and I can't wrap my head around that literally or yeah, metaphorically. I could, I could wrap this around your head. <laughs> um, no, but my quads were like overlapping my kneecap. I, I have very very powerful legs that was uh and i owe that to roller skating uh, my parents owned a roller skating rink I, I grew up on skates that's awesome and uh i just and then i found out that now that muscle tone i got from roller skating i could make it huge in the gym you know, i could squat over 600 that was easy goodness oh yeah i i that was why i could play football was because of that strength i had in my lower extremity um, so when you when they taught you to pop your hips through your tackle, <laughs> I could not only pop my hips through the tackle, but I was hitting the guy behind him, <laughs> and that to me became a source of like sheer power. And <laughs> yeah. you know, you really just wanted to get in there and just wring somebody's neck. Rugby, I mean, rugby really let you. Uh, uh, I played flanker in rugby, and the. People that we would play against were terrified of me, and I that I ate up on that too. Um, uh, I was actually told by a couple of people higher up in me and my command that I wasn't allowed to play contact sports anymore, and they said you should take up handball. <laughs> that was a mistake for that lieutenant. Oh man, because <laughs> we made handball. Into a contact. Oh, goodness. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Sorry, you know. Oh but, man. No, at the end of the day, I, I enjoyed violent sports. It's, why do you think I love hockey so much? Because oh, it's, it's Tom, undoubtedly Tom the Wilson, best uh, major sport in the U.S. Tom Wilson's my idol. <laughs> it, that makes a lot of sense now, knowing of <laughs> of how he plays and how I don't want to say dirty, <laughs> but he loves to injure the other team not dirty it's called hockey yeah yeah okay. <laughs> if That's it was dirty we'll people would be going to jail I, 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 if i'm not mistaken people have gone to jail <laughs> <laughs> because of <laughs> because of things they do on the rink um but <laughs> well rev i i've got one last question for you here. <laughs> but i have one last question it's an easy one oh, okay. okay 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 so you're on a long road trip and you stop at a gas station what drink and what snack are you grabbing? Am I driving? Um, I haven't had <laughs> anyone ask me that question. Before to be a driver, do you prefer to be a passenger <laughs> on a long road trip? So, so I mean, there, there's a caveat here because if I'm driving, it's probably just going to be some Caffeine. nasty gas station coffee. Hmm. 
And uh, well, then let's say you're not driving. Doing a, if I'm not driving, it's gonna be my bourbon all day long. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I ain't drinking. I ain't driving. So no, I'm no, no. no. But I mean, I don't know what the laws are in Florida, but can you buy liquor at the gas station? Oh, I think so. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Them. So here at Texas, you get the little you, bottles you on, right at the register. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You fireball. You can get. You know. You can Same get thing here in Martin. Colorado. They changed yeah. it a couple of years ago. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> we did recently get like the the little bottles of fireball, but that's usually about it. Um, but oh, okay. So, and would you still do a donut then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, specific kind of donut? Strawberry sprinkle? Uh, Apple um, fritter, bear claw. Boston cream. The rubber one's out in the parking lot. The rubber one. Oh, <laughs> He's resourceful, people. <laughs> I, will, I will make my own donuts in the parking lot. Yeah. Oh boy! Well, <sighs> that was definitely the most unique answer, and probably the most unique answer we'll get all uh, all season that was for great. that question. That was great. Bacon maple, if you really want to know. Oh, oh that's a good bacon. choice. Now I'm on board. Shit, now you. I'm hungry. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, you know what, Rev? You have an issue. I'm already hungry for biscuits and gravy. I'm gonna. Start oh, I know. So, weekend, so, so I'm I'm hoping. I can get Richard over to the house Saturday morning for oh, some cream chip beef. I want to hear about it so bad. Well, oh, I'm sure I want to will. hear about it. If uh, if Richard comes yeah. back sick, I think we might know why. Hey, it's because he's of the weak blood. Yes. No, it's because he had too much fun at the track. <laughs> that, also that's, bad. It ain't going to be my... <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to put about 30 pounds on him with this stuff. There you go. That's what I want to hear. Rich and full of amazing flavors. Yes. So, and uh, and nobody make it as good as me. And I will uh, go to anybody's kitchen and cook it. Prove them that oh. I'm 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 the best. I hope I can get a, a try of that next year. Uh, next year, hopefully, if we can I make, make our way out it, there, I will make it inside of a camper. <laughs> Not a problem. But uh, just a reminder, a new episode of the Holler Podcast can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts every Friday. Um, If you miss the recording on Thursday, um, that is streamed on Facebook and sometimes TikTok. Uh, For up-to-date news and information on the Butt Kicker Cup series, please be sure to like our page on Facebook and visit www.brbracingleague.com. So that will conclude our guest segment uh, with Rev and getting to know Rev. Thank you um, very much for allowing us to uh, mm-hmm. to get into your history of, of, of auto racing, of, of football, of rugby, of in the Navy. Thank you for your service, uh, by the way. Um, I, I did what any other kid that was told by a judge to go. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it, and you, you probably did the best darn job you could um, doing so, which is probably different than a majority of those people. But um, so we thank you for that. (laughs) But we'll move on to our our little bit of NASCAR news of the week. Um, So our first little segment of NASCAR news uh, has to do with the updated qualifying format for the Cup Series. Um, Here it is. So our Cup qualifying uh, is two groups. It's two rounds. So there's an A group and there's a B group. Um, this season going forward, uh, the top five from the A group in the first round. Sorry, this, this is going to be a lot to 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 get out and, and try to wrap your head around if you're not familiar with the current uh, 
two group qualifying format. So there's an A group and a B group. There's one round um, for each A and B group. So A might go first, and then the top five from that first round will advance to the second round. And then the B group will run, and they'll do the top five from their first round will go on to the second round. So now you have a total of 10 drivers that make it onto the second round from the A and the B group combined. And then the remaining order um, of the first round from each the A and B group will set the rest of the rows so the a group will do the outside line and the b group will do the inside line so for example if you finish sixth in the first round of the a group you will sit on the sixth row on the outside line Whew. and then the round two will determine your final 10 uh, qualifying positions who gets pole and all the uh, all the fun stuff based on speed and that is to uh to try to equalize the qualifying i know currently in nascar a lot of people have been complaining about one group might have a disadvantage because of the weather or maybe there was a cloud that came by and and uh, some teams feel like they got slided out of the better group out of that so hopefully this does a little bit to even it up i want to get y'all's thoughts about that you know i think uh rev i'm going to start this one off and um i repeatedly i want to say nine times out of ten um when i watched qualifying the second group almost always had faster times and we're talking not just one through five but one through six one through seven one through eight they were faster than the p1 of the previous group so um i think a change does need to happen um with track temps coming up a lot more uh groups getting used to the track and stuff like that i think it, it's more important to train even these qualifying sessions out uh just to make sure that you know you don't have chase elliott getting one through five every time just because he looks out and which group he's qualifying with so i think this is a good uh, a good change to at least try and see if we can't mix it up a little bit Man, I, I tell you, um, I can't say anything different than what you just said, Carl. <laughs> I, 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 He's got a yeah, actually. Well, I mean, he he hit every point that I was going to bring up about it right on it. I think the only thing I could really, really add is is the fact that NASCAR has changed so much over the years. I think they keep trying to grasp for something that they've had in the past, but they don't want to go back to how they did it in the past. So two group qualifying over two rounds to me, and I, I, I may not be a popular opinion here, but I think it's a bunch of horse bucky. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, you have a practice session, you draw numbers, you go with whatever number you're drawing, Luck of the draw is the only thing you can blame it on. You know, if the if the later qualifiers are faster or slower, sorry about your luck. It was automatic. Mm. I mean, it was it was luck of the draw. I mean, I think they they they're trying too hard to find a new group of fans. Um, with that cot earlier, they lost a group of fans. Mm -hmm. With the chase, with the playoffs, they lost even more of the older fans because. They figured this, the, there's always new fans. We don't need them anymore. Well, there's a reason you're not as popular anymore now. You know, and a sport like this, qualifying isn't the main product. Your main product is Sunday afternoon, 
one o'clock, that green flag drops. That's what the people really, truly care about. Yeah, all the stuff that leads up to it is great. That's good filler to keep them watching your stuff before the big stuff. So, uh, messing with qualifying, not a fan. Carl, you brought up all the good stuff. So. <laughs> and, I mean, I I never liked when they went to uh, the two-group qualifying. I, I didn't know what was wrong with just put all the cars out there individually, do your do your lap, and your best lap is good. Um, I mean, that's still what we do in iRacing, so it's like I, I don't see anything broken with it. Um, to me, it was easier for even a casual fan to understand. Like, there's not these set rules to qualifying. It's just go out there. Whoever has the fastest lap is your is your pole sitter. Easy. Thank you. I mean, that it's simple. It's easy. It makes sense. Right. It, it makes sense to, to just anyone, and it logically is sound across various demographics and and people. Um, and I guess that can go into also of NASCAR has tweaked. Um, we talked last week about the uh, the clash format, and even in previous seasons, they they keep to they change the all star format every year too, and it it makes it difficult for for people like me and I'm sure y'all as well to even know what what format we're running for these special exhibition races like. I remember growing up as a kid, um, the all-star race was a specific format, but it was four segments. Everyone knew what it was because they kept it the same. And now we go in every year. It's like, uh, why did they make this change? This change? I'm thinking back to the Texas all-star race from Ryan Blaney of, uh, <laughs> the race has to finish under yep. green and the uproar that that ca- caused and possibly safety concerns as well. But that's neither here nor there, but it, it makes it just hard to keep up with. Well, I mean, if you, if you think about it, you know, back in my day, we didn't have a all-star race. Mm-hmm. We had an all-star series called IROC, okay? And you had to qualify as a winner of some sort in whatever series you ran to be in that race. That, to me, was an all-star race because you had them from all the diff- different disciplines. You know, um, we had the, the big race, the 600-miler. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we had all the leading stuff at the beginning of the season up to the 500. You know, your twin 125s. You had the Bush Clash, which was the real Bush Clash when you took the, the All shootout. Stars of. Well, they had Bud Shootout, whatever <laughs> That's you want to call it. Yeah, 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 same thing. But you <laughs> had that as your only real All Star race, you know. Because the drivers themselves didn't want a mid-season all-star race. Because with IRAC they, IROC, they could actually back out if they wanted to because they always had somebody to fill it. You know? Uh, look at Mark Martin. He was the mm-hmm. the l- most leading winner of, of IROC. Why? Because he was the most consistent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just... Forget this all-star stuff. You know, they, they, they really have overdone what worked. And I think it was based on greed. It's definitely part to that. And hopefully, as time goes by, and I mean, NASCAR seems to be growing, not at a crazy rate right now, um, but they seem to be gathering somewhat of a new audience with the younger demographic, which is positive. And, and hopefully, um, these changes that they're making will slow down. Um, 
and, and regulate itself basically and get a consistent product from year to year. And we're expecting changes like body styles this year that changed like, Hey, like that's part of the sport. Uh, the manufacturer wants to update their body style. Like you can't blame them for that. That's the, the lifeblood of this sport is the manufacturers and the OEM. So that stuff 100%. can change. Um, these rules, little tiny tweaks to these rules every year can be quite frustrating as a fan. But um, I guess that will get us to our next rule change. Um, I don't, I don't really even classify this as a rule change per se, but um, it's a new situation that NASCAR can get themselves into. And, and Rev, I'm glad you're here for this. Um, so <laughs> it was announced that uh, NASCAR is going to have a remote race control room. Um, quote unquote a war room kind of like you think yep. of i'll bring back up the nhl if a if a challenging play is too close to call and the refs there cannot make the call they'll call toronto and their war room and they'll look at it from a thousand different angles they actually tried this uh in the 90s uh and it was a trailer uh similar to that of a control room of a of like a broadcasting crew um, they, they, they tried this, but the, the cost was at that time, just too much to set up because you'd have to take the trailer to every track, hook into its telemetry systems, you know, hook into their own telemetry systems, you know, the, uh, the track, uh, the sensors, you, you had to hook it all up locally to this trailer and, uh, one one power outage it was all screwed up um it was a fiasco i know they did it for i think eight to ten races and it just stopped showing up at tracks <laughs> and i'm curious of what y'all think of like how many different angles i guess it's not just camera angles you bring up a good point rev of of they get the data and uh i forgot exactly what they what they call the data um whatever it may be um but they get the actual driver data in real time telemetry telemetry yeah I, there, there's some name that the drivers call it i think but that's not important um but maybe it benefits nascar in one of those tough calls that they have to make of they can really slow it down and take their time to make a decision but my thought is could they not do that at the track already I, they, they, go ahead carl uh, so I'm sorry to jump in here, but I think this is more of a um, human oversight to like um, speeding penalties, uh, men over the wall too soon. Because we know they've been using a lot of the digital references and using a lot of that stuff to try and regulate it. And I think they have maybe have relied a little too much on that in the past. And so the fans are asking for a little accountability. It says, hey, we can't just have a computer making these calls because in racing, yes, I think we have this ability to be able to call a lot of rules based on measurements. And it's a game of inches. Football, you name it, it's all in a game of inches. But here we have a lot of technology to observe a lot of that. And I think this allows a little bit of human oversight to, hey, maybe the computer wasn't right in this call. And that just may be that's one extra layer of rule enforcement that NASCAR has been looking for. It's always good to have a backup to technology. Mm -hmm. Um 
I, I will never argue that. And to answer your original question, Stephen, is do I like this idea? I do like this idea. I like the fact that they will have one central location to back up the guys at the track. Now, if they use it as a overwhelmingly overruling body, now we're going to have an issue, just like with the mm-hmm. NFL. Mm-hmm. This is where the problem will be, is who's going to have a bigger head? Mm-hmm. And then the political side of every decision is going to be scrutinized within, privately, and publicly. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to tune into, uh, what's his name, Stapleton here on YouTube or wherever, uh, and we're going to get that commentary from these lower level guys who are actually the ones that are making the sport more popular. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're not going to hear it on ESPN or Fox or mm-hmm. NBC or whoever has the rights to broadcast the crap because they're all paid actors. Mm-hmm. The guys that are trying to make a buck on YouTube are the guys that you're going to get the truth from. So if, if you have a quote unquote, as this article says, a war room, Okay, they can't treat it like a war room. They're going to have to treat it as backing up the calls made at the track. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I would love for somebody to sit in race control with me and concur with my call. Yeah, because there's some calls where I sit there and go, uh, this could go either way, mm-hmm. you know, and I would love a second pair of eyes to say, well, this is what I'm seeing or I agree with you. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, at the very least, I had somebody else's opinion at it. And then you give the guys on the local level the final say. Okay, now if it's something that needs to be overruled, then absolutely overrule it. But you can't, you can't weaponize it. Now, that's my biggest fear here is knowing NASCAR, knowing how their uppers are not in touch with the racing or the fans or the perspective of a driver. These guys are all business guys. They don't care. They're going to overrule this crap, mm-hmm. and it's not gonna. It's not gonna be good. Well, I'm glad we uh, we had race control's perspective uh, <laughs> for <laughs> for the race control NASCAR uh, update refresh, whatever you, you should call it. I'm excited to see how they utilize it. Oh, pardon me, my desk just shifted around, but we will get to our last NASCAR. Uh, Will update uh, just an interesting little uh, piece of information I found out of this season. Pit road signs um, will be allowed to light up in additional to screens being on pit boxes and and uh, various sorts of ways. Um, I don't know how familiar y'all are with um, certain teams and how they like to market and and advertise their brands and whatnot. But I, I, I do hear that track house racing is very big about uh, making a whole spectacle, especially about their sponsors um, around their haulers and such. Uh, they make it a real fun time. Um, so I'm curious of one to see what they do of anything else and, and how other teams utilize um, this freedom, I guess, per se. I'll let you start, Carl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there might not be too much to talk about with this. I just thought it was uh, an interesting addition. So, you know, honestly, I'll be straight up. I I absolutely love this idea. As a fan, I want to see bright lights. I want to see them (laughs) 
You know, up and down pit road. I want to see him in the stands. I want to see him on the track. I mean, look at Phoenix. Look at that giant cactus they have to announce oh, yeah. uh, uh, the track state. I love it. I think it's hilarious. I, I like lights and, you know, call me basic or whatever, <laughs> but I like bright, shiny I'll just things. call you a fly or a mosquito. or <laughs> you know, A moth. I am a moth to the flame, and I'm just attracted <laughs> to the light. And I actually really like this. And with LEDs and stuff, the technology, is there where you can really customize sh uh, shape, uh, uh, color, shade, everything else. And, you know, I, I, I even feel that there's a possibility where a lot of the drivers could maybe get an advantage off of this. Uh, I know, like, uh, Kevin Harvick, he ran so many numbers and had run so many cars, he actually ended up developing, uh, developing that smiley face mm -hmm. or stuff like that. So uh, I think not only we're going to see sponsors, car numbers, car colors, and stuff like that, we're going to see smiley faces we're gonna see um maybe uh caution ribbons or we're gonna see something else depending on the driver depending if they uh drive a lot of series i'm really excited for this and i like shiny colors so this is gonna be fun for me to watch no shiny is it, is it safe to say your your computer has a bunch of R rgb in it you know what it, it does it does <laughs> It's minimum. Well, he wants it bad. I he would, wants it in there bad. So I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think Gavin and I had the same issue where we want to uh, – do we really need an RGB mat or do we want an uh, RGB mat? That extra and I $50. Think we both, exactly. We both settled on we want the RGB mat. So, yeah, um, I even have a uh, – uh, led strip that i haven't mounted yet because i don't have my routing right on my rig yet but yeah it's we're getting there <laughs> we're getting there for the shiny lights i'm looking over at my pc and seeing the american flag shape in my memory <laughs> it, it's literally got the blue field and uh the red and white stripes on my rgb memory and it's funny so i think it, of all pc sorry rev if i cut you short um you're good but all like Anyone that owns a PC, first off, um, seems to always have to be enamored with lights and RGB and wants it everywhere. You have an RGB keyboard, RGB mm -hmm. mouse, and then you have uh, $900 worth of RGB just in your computer. I mean, we all know it adds a bunch of frames to uh, whatever I game you're playing. I looked at it this way. I mean, I, I spent like two grand just on the water cooling in this thing. So you might as <laughs> well throw the extra $300 for some RGB crap in there. Too. Exactly, exactly. You can see your water cooling. So, you know, I, I, I kind of view it as like cooking and food. If you have to have it, you might as well make it really great. So. I like that. I really like that. But as far as pit road signs, I, I'd rather see him carry some white lightning in the trunk for the crew when they come in. <laughs> you know, back, get back to like the 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 roots of why they race these cars. You know, I think paying that homage would be great. No, I don't mind the RGB up there, but uh, on the devil's advocate side of it, uh -oh. um, I'm I just I hope it doesn't become too bright and a distraction for the drivers, especially at night on pit road. Well, um, currently at night, um, they have light up pit signs at least, correct? Yes. Yes, they do. Um, and there's no regulation on it right now as far as how bright they can be. Well, and I will um, say, according to this article, at least, um, the signs mm -hmm. must be dimmable. Um, is a, is then, a part... And that means they're thinking about that. Yes. That's good. That's so, 
NASCAR isn't just giving them the 100% freedom right away. They're they're going to try to control it as much as they can, it seems like. Um, and and I would I would certainly hope so because that can be a very dangerous thing because you've seen like when they first started doing night races at Daytona, mm-hmm. um, uh, pit road was a terribly bad place to drive. Um, I think that was uh, two thousand or no, that was ninety late nineties, ninety eight. Um. Yeah, I remember watching uh, yeah. that at two yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, 1998, Dale Earnhardt was the first driver to take laps under the lights of Daytona. And we were we were there um, across the street because they weren't going to allow anybody to come in. Oh, well, wow. a bunch of people actually kind of stormed the gate. <laughs> and they said, oh, okay, well... Maybe we can get five or from them. So they started charging people five bucks. Was this a testing session or qualifying? Yes. Testing. It was a test session. Uh, it was the first night they ever put a car on the track at Daytona at night was Dale Earnhardt Sr. Oh. Yep. Never knew that. It's a, an interesting yep. trivia fact, I guess, you can have in the back pocket. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. And uh, it was it was quite interesting how many people actually showed up for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's got to be a big deal. I mean, I, I don't want to would. I would be wrong if I said there was anything less than 20,000 people that showed up that night. That's incredible. Um, Something about night racing Mm. really makes it a spectacle. You Um, know, I want to go to um, the All-Star race, or I don't know if it was the All-Star race, but they did have a race at uh, Bristol a couple of years ago, and they had the... um, Neon underneath, exactly. yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I actually really enjoyed that look, seeing the different colors under the cars, and uh, you know, the, the the rotors glowing, the neon, and then you had the uh, uh, LED pit signs on some of them. It just really added to the atmosphere, and I I really enjoyed it. So, that shit for Vegas. I mean. Hey, at Bristol, I feel like it's acceptable too. It adds to uh, well, the whole stadium feel. Everything's got to be flashy now. So if it gets another whole set of fans, then I say we give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure I, we're I, getting I, thousands I, of fans because we have <laughs> glowing lights. <laughs> no, I think it does have its place, but it needs to be, yes, a Bristol or the Vegas or even, say, Martinsville, I think could benefit from something like that ooh, until you hit ooh, a curb. Ooh. And then you know yeah. who's hit the curb because those lights aren't working. Um <laughs> But no, I, I, I do. I see. But at a place like Daytona, um, the only thing that's going to benefit is the TV. You know, you because by the time if you're sitting, say, start finish line at Daytona or Talladega, by the time the car is getting to turn one, you're just going to get a glow of people. You're not really going to see cars. You're just going to see that glow on the track with shadows over top. You know, mm-hmm. well, uh, that's you know, at Daytona, I'm, yeah, obviously. What if, I mean, this is, again, really stretching it out there, but in, in, um, or I'm going to bring it back up, we have the Daytona 24 coming, or the Rolex 24 coming up this weekend. Um, A lot of those cars, the GT3s, the GTPs, the LMPs, uh, they have LEDs down the spine or down a ridge, um, Mm -hmm. which helps identify them. Um, That's for the the spider, believe it or not. 
I will, and I do. Yeah. But yep. I love seeing that too as a mm-hmm. fan. I don't care who it is. I, I think it's cool to watch. So what if uh, you mentioned the Firecracker 400 that's usually um, or was a night race <laughs> in July? I wish I could like see my that. camera. It's a, it's the Coke Zero. Coke Zero 400. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you see, it, there's no camera there, Steven. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, um, races like that, those night races, it'd be fun. A Richmond even. Um, having some I think sort of Richmond trip, is a good place for that. You know, down yeah. down the 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 C pillar, down the 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 um, tailgate, you know, stuff like that. I think that'd be really cool to see. I I mean, there there, there may be a a too much a TMI with the lights, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like the idea of using it as a marker for a larger track on the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, as uh, as far as an underglow at a larger speedway, I don't see any advantage to it at all. I don't see where it would help a spotter. I don't see where it would help a driver. I I because unless they're right up against the stands and then you can't see them because they're going too damn fast. Mm-hmm. So I think at the slower tracks that are really up close and personal with the fans, yeah, I can see an advantage to that. Um, but outside of that, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> I'm curious to see what NASCAR does with this because this is probably mm-hmm. only the beginning of that. And I've like Carl brought up the underglow from the All Star race a couple years ago. Um, glad they wait till they figure out how to yet. do the Tron line. Hey, oh, I mean, it would be great. Okay with that. Somewhat, <laughs> the drivers might not be, Every but five <laughs> you know the, the the AR inlay with VRs headsets and oh, stuff that's, like that. That's getting too far in the future. <laughs> but there is one last thing that I just thought about because um, I heard yesterday. Uh, I don't have an article ready up and queued for it, but um, I don't know who came out and said it It was NASCAR or whatever. Um, They do have a prototype car um, that will be taking laps at the clash. Uh, Have y'all heard anything about this? And do you know what Mm -hmm. this prototype car is? Mm -hmm. So it is Um. (laughs) the full electric a prototype NASCAR car. It does not have an OEM attached to it. NASCAR built nope. this as just a proof of concept. Don't worry. Apparently, they're not bringing it anytime <laughs> soon or replacing the Cup Series with it, allegedly. The torque is going to be amazing, but its longevity is going to be like me. I'm really <laughs> excited to see how they combat that. Um, I don't know if we'll ever be able to get into that full electric, okay. at least in the soon time go ahead Carl. Okay. You're, you're chomping at the bit i want to let so, you know this has been explored in other disciplines uh if you're not aware there is a formula e mm-hmm. now <laughs> longevity rev is laughing because he knows i'm getting to this the longevity <laughs> is gonna have to displace the cost because in an hour and a half two hour race you what you usually have is a pit stop you know fuel tires and stuff like that the driver comes in, hops out of the car, hops into a new car to finish the race. So it's possible. We could be three, four years away from it. Longevity, yes. I would like to keep that three, four-hour long racetrack. The problem is is the mechanical over the mechanical challenges of making this work. Not only do you have to try and get a battery to last that long, but if you can't, 
you need to set two cars now up exactly the same so the driver when they go out on track has less issues than you would imagine uh, it's going to be very yeah, interesting it, the, the irony to it is, is there, there there is an irony to it and, and carl i think when when you when you miss mentioned the e series is the fact that they had to change the car not the driver mhm why is it they don't change the battery? Now, this is a this is a good question. That's a great question. And and there are two specific answers that are correct, and then there's one that is correct, but it's actually the real answer. So if you the, can figure those out, please, by all means, give it a try. The Both battery right now is so damn massive. It comes one. into a weight of roughly 300 to 350 pounds for one single battery pack. And we're mm -hmm. talking, these are, what, 24, 32 of your regular car batteries, all strapped oh, in series, all kind at the of, same time. Kind of. They're, they're, they're battery banks of 18650s. Oh, okay. Is, so um, it, it's the standard battery up, size. Yep. Yeah. It, so, it, it, it is just absolutely insane the, the the amount of weight that these take and uh i i worked for hyundai for a number of years and so i was kind of a part of their hyundai, hybrid sponsor program us. yeah <laughs> I know, right well then you would actually be very familiar with that tube battery then oh um, exactly and, and, and that's when you make that bank of 24 of them mm -hmm. those are only what 36 pounds they're about yeah. three inches round and they're 36 mm -hmm. pounds so now you actually have a pit crew challenge involved with that style of a battery because mm -hmm. you can put them in at an angle from both sides of the car. You know, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe 20 down this side of the car, 20 down this side, which would offer you a, you know, maybe an hour stint in that car. Mm -hmm. And then you have to come in and change out 20 freaking batteries on each side. Mm -hmm. Or you could do right sides only. <laughs> and go for a short stint. So that's the, interesting. The, it, 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 I think where it's at in the future of racing, if they want to keep the full feel of racing and a pit stop. So let's 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 also add the other side of um charging <laughs> stations, you know, refilling. <laughs> uh we have uh the GTP series that's running at uh 24 hour Rolex. They have a uh, hybrid system. They run on gas and electric power. And during the pit stops, they have actually have a special plug-in. They plug <laughs> it in there and they recharge that battery. Now, it's the capacitive charger system. Exactly. Insane. Don't ever touch the tip. <laughs> oh, they're well, they're the drivers themselves are instructed to not even get off or on the car unless they have a, a exactly they don't touch anything don't ground yourself because if the battery isn't isn't uh decapacitated or anything like that you could shock yourself in time absolutely and, and, and it's funny that they bring up this through last year because i kept hearing about it through uh sebring the rolex lama it just kept coming up but in these cars if you don't have to change the battery, let's say you can recharge that in a pit stop, say 20, 25 seconds. Also, how would that look like? Because batteries we know don't really like a... They would explode. Exactly. It'd be a lot of fire. 
Exactly. The recharging so, is only good to a certain amount before the heat is going to be too much. Exactly. So, uh, yes, it's good to see them making these steps, but there's a lot of challenges still to overcome to make this a viable series in NASCAR yeah, motorsports. I, I think the two batteries where to, where they should at least head in that direction. Or do a pan battery, which is set out, mm -hmm. you know, the, the pan, which is set out in your pit stall. Mm -hmm. You know, that way you can drop it at the beginning of your pit stall, roll over the, the new battery, and just as, it, mm -hmm. as it's being jacked up, the jack is, say, built into the battery. Yeah, and I'm you really know, interested kind of thing. to see what NASCAR will do with that going in the future, because whether we like it or not, um, that is the direction that 100. a lot of OEMs are going, obviously. Um and as we spoke on earlier, the OEMs are the lifeblood of NASCAR. Without them, NASCAR does not exist. So if an OEM mm -hmm. wants it, they're going to get it, and NASCAR has to figure out a way to do it. Um, I do know, uh, I forgot if it was Toyota or Chevy, um, one of the executives, uh, I think it was the VP or the president of uh, TRD for Toyota. Yeah, TRD, um, yep. Mentioned uh, hydrogen um, fuel mm -hmm. cells and hydrogen combustion engines um, prior. Mm -hmm. And NASCAR is not going to make the jump fully exclusive to electric like that. Of y'all just talked about of mm -hmm. all of these issues that are coming up or that will come up eventually, and they they're going to have to solve for. Um, but over time, of we might get a hybrid engine or uh, whatever well, hybrid uh, the, system. The right? hydrogen hybrid hybrid system is actually a thing. Mm -hmm. um, Nissan Nissan right now, I think it's it's either Nissan. Yeah, it is Nissan mm -hmm. right now. Actually, has a, an amazing R and D program with that hydrogen electric motor now it's not exactly how you think it is the hydrogen actually runs the charger for the electric motors mm -hmm. okay and the thing is that they're they're talking about you know three to four weeks worth of driving mm -hmm. on one hydrogen fill-up mm -hmm. okay and to me that's fucking insane yeah. there's a car running around right now in la it's a hydrogen-powered car, okay? They got a ticket, they said, because it was leaking fuel. Okay, it was water. <laughs> mm -hmm. They had to fight this ticket in court. You know? and, and, and it's funny you mention that because Hyundai's in the same thing. They actually have a research lab in okay. northern Colorado. Yes. It's the uh, Northern Research Energy Laboratory, something like that. And mm -hmm. I again, I bring up Hyundai because guess what? It was a Hyundai Tucson. I have never seen <laughs> so many warning labels on a car before. It is absolutely outrageous. My little Ford was, Maverick has it, a ton mm. of warning labels. Yep. And it's only a Ex hybrid. Exactly. And the fuel tank itself for the hydrogen cell was half the size of a regular gasoline engine. Mm -hmm. So I, I can definitely see because hydrogen itself is the most basic atom that we have found. Um, so it reacts to just about everything. It's the most, um, most abundant. Of the, uh, exactly. The exactly. And, and I think that the two major constraints to that is since it is so basic, it's our element one on the periodic table of elements. It is the smallest mm -hmm. atom. And so containing that hydrogen is extremely difficult, being able to make sure it doesn't leak. And on top of that, if you get into a crash, 
How do you make sure it's non-reactive? We have metal parts. We see sparks all the time. We mentioned Bristol. We mentioned Richmond. We mentioned Martinsville. These create sparks. Uh, the downforce themselves on the well, chassis. The, 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 the best part about that, Carl, is uh, they, they've actually thought about that for automotive because um, obviously what's your exhaust from it, it, hydrogen? Water. It's water. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, what they have found out is you can also use that water as an insulator around the hydrogen cells. Oh, which, okay. Which, which actually ends up naturally cooling the hydrogen so you mm -hmm. get better fuel efficiency from the hydrogen. Oh, that so, makes sense. You know, and if they use the, the, the um, uh, which you call it effect, um, using Vin the orifice valves. Uh, oh, Venturi. Venturi? Yeah. Venturi effect? You can actually super cool your hydrogen now using just that tap water that's coming out of your motor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, um, also to, to continue the balance of the car, you can keep the water on board instead of exhausting it too. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that way when you get home, you can dump your water into your su water supply at home mm -hmm. and just run it through a simple filter. And it's going to be safe to drink. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a, a lot of really, really good possibilities coming from this hydrogen. And it, and it was Nissan because um, Nissan is one that put that report out about the insulating mm -hmm. properties for the hydrogen because of its own byproduct water. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it just makes an awful lot. And it, it, it I'm seems a nerd like... With this stuff. No, this is awesome because I'm really glad um, y'all are both at least... Uh very versed in this and from what it seems like electric cars at least in my opinion have hit a wall of sorts of how much better can we get them right now um there is definitely room to grow for them and they are growing rapidly um and advancing rapidly but i i do like the insight to the hydrogen uh option as maybe that's really the option of the future um we don't know it's it's really early to tell the real downside to the hydrogen is the um, expense to make it readily available at a gas station. Uh, the safety of mm -hmm. a gas station is, I think, the number one thing uh, that is going to occur the most cost. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I read this article like three years ago, so please forgive me if the number's wrong. It's going to be roughly to have a two charging or two fueling station hydrogen pump i think it's just over seven hundred and forty thousand mm -hmm. dollars for the install plus your cost to have special inspections every what was it 30 days i think they have to go through an inspection for this it, it, it's like 30 or 60 days because like you mentioned the seals and it, it can be so easily uh vented out into the atmosphere and that's the major concern of the, the safety well part the seals it. freeze very easily with mm -hmm. hydrogen around it mm. so if it's if it's going to be 32 degrees outside fahrenheit that seal is going to reach about 23 degrees mm -hmm. okay because of the hydrogen effect which is super cools and that is something that's a very dangerous thing so you know you got one guy that pulls up and he may have had a drink or two or he's having a medical issue and he bumps the pump mm. now you got to shut down that pump whether you see or feel or you have an alarm it got it has to be shut down and rebuilt period 
no ifs, ands, or buts. So the the idea, the biggest problem they're facing is the implementation side of hydrogen hydrogen distribution for a vehicle. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm very excited excited to see where that <laughs> technology goes to. Um, I do know in my time at uh, Oklahoma State uh, University, uh, believe it or not, um, the buses I know at the time were running on compressed natural gas. Um, which was a big fad for a little bit. And it seems to be still in Oklahoma for some reason. I never see it anywhere in Texas, but it was in Oklahoma. And uh, I do know at a time they were working on um, hydrogen-fueled buses um, mm -hmm. as a solution. And I believe they had a, a station out there somewhere off of campus that was a, a hydrogen station. Um, and that was one of the first I had seen. Um, and I'd be curious ago. to know how many hydrogen stations there are out there. Because there's a guy that had a Corvette that he converted to a hydrogen running in uh using his standard engine in it uh years and years ago back in the 70s this guy did that and he would have to replace the the tanks themselves he'd go get them huh. filled and he he says yeah i'll never have to pay for a drop of gas again um and i oh man I mean, that's but the I, same I, I, problem I electric cars are facing. Uh, there are the 59 open retail hydrogen stations in the United States. That's the key word, retail. The, exactly. the demand for it is not there yet. No, exactly, um, yeah. There, I don't even know how many more like privately available ones there are, and that's probably not public information. But um, the thing is, like before electric cars really even took off, how many electric charging stations were there across the U.S.? Like a handful. Not many at all. Yeah, so it's like with the demand of a specific vehicle increasing, then the infrastructure will then come into place. Um, they can't put all the money into the infrastructure if the demand isn't there because then if it falls through and... <laughs> it's the chicken and egg theory, you know? Exactly. You, you can't have one without the other, but vice versa. So... And the thing is, is it's it's going to end up having to be like an economic um, dry, driven reason to change. Mm -hmm. And we, I think we are on that cusp of mm -hmm. figuring out that alternative energy isn't great, but it isn't bad. You know, we have enough fossil fuels on this planet to really be there forever. We just have to learn how it's renewed properly. So, um, use it properly, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, there, there, there is plenty for the United States. There's plenty for the world. But things like, you know, the electricity isn't your stereotype. Electricity is the stereotypical solve everything. Mm -hmm. Well, you only get so much wind and you only get so much solar. So you have to rely on nuclear or coal or oil Hydroelectric. to make, you know, you still have to rely on these things because the abundance of those things, like if you were well, to do all solar on this planet, yeah, you couldn't, uh -huh. you couldn't do it because you would block out all the sun. <laughs> well, it's, it's not only that, but the also raw materials for these electric motors, it is just uh, coils upon coils of copper wiring. Copper you look at your alternator. Cheating. 
You look at your alternator that you take on your your internal combustion engine right now. That is a, just like a one in a twelve model version of the electric motor or the hybrid engines that you're going to be able to use. So how much is it actually helping using the you know wind, solar, hydro, coal power on top of the mining of the raw materials of the aluminum and the copper? I think it's great to have that along with it, the, it, exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, the one one thing that uh, I think a lot of people and you really touched on, you still have to oil a bearing. Mm -hmm. I don't care what kind of drive device you d decide to run. There's going to be a moving part. That you moving part to needs lubricate to lubricate it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's going to melt, and you're going to be buying another part, which forces another industry to even put out even more. Well, their machines that make that part now have to use something as a bearing, which mm -hmm. that bearing is going to need oiled lubricated whatever you want to call it so we are never going to stop using mm -hmm. whether it's synthetic or natural oils to make our society run okay mm -hmm. so we have to get that out of our heads as a as a community or as a whole and understand that you can't get rid of an evil that you believe is evil when you only use it wrong mm -hmm. that's a really <laughs> when good you use it right when you use it right it's great you know and I think I think the the idea of hybrid electric motors is the way to go, because we can reduce the amount of oils we use, mm -hmm. and at the same time we can still save, we can elongate the oils we have to use through the electric side of things, but we're never going to have enough electricity. We're never going to have enough oil to do one or the other. Mm -hmm. I think the combination of the two is the right way to do it. Now, if that means we can go to hydrogen absolutely even better now we can even save our oil reserves even longer you know well and that's and that's where hydrogen really comes to shine is you can make it out of algae huge algae yeah, fields algae I ponds it. i live in florida and, <laughs> we have algae. You, you suck it up you siphon it out you take the waste which uh, it says it comes as water or maybe a little even more oxygen and you just have hydrogen so it it, it just seems infinitely reproducing and, and very little uh in, in terms of um negative effect on the environment so i i think hydrogen is on the cusp of some 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 very technological advances um i heard an article i was actually trying to go for a, a engineering degree a few years ago and i heard an article about solid hydrogen where they super yeah. cool this hydrogen to almost like absolute zero like the coldest anything goes and they sealed all these uh uh things together and it has much more um, what do they call it? Propulsion effect. And so uh, hydrogen is, I think, is just barely scratching the, the surface of what hydrogen can do. I mean, liquid hydrogen is what propul uh, propulses the rockets from SpaceX, NASA, all into space. So uh, I think hydrogen really will actually make a bigger part of that's super cool. Hydrogen, though, you have to be really careful with because whatever metal you have touching it becomes a mm -hmm. superconductor. Oh, exactly. And it'll start levitating shit. You don't need levitated. <laughs> well, you tell a well, NASCAR it, fan hydrogen is in a, a jet engine. <laughs> oh, they'll be on board for the hydrogen engines. All right. This is what makes the rockets go. Come yeah. on, guys. Let's get behind this. No electric, but we'll go hydrogen. <laughs> oh, but. Way off subject, but, you know, uh, here in Daytona, I, you remember that iconic photo of President Reagan's Air mm. Force One flying landing at daytona as richard petty was in turns one and two yep. and they took that iconic mm -hmm. photo 
you know, they still haven't timed it right, but SpaceX is going to have a rocket going up eventually. And there's going to be a NASCAR driver on track that everybody likes as the rocket is launching. I have yet to see those two planets mm-hmm. align yet. They have one of a shuttle, but it's it wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. <laughs> well, if they keep racing down there in Daytona, which I know they will, it will happen soon. Oh, if, if Elon keeps running these things up in the air as that quick too. as he is. <laughs> well, We're going to have five a day here soon. <laughs> We have just passed the three-hour mark. Um, <laughs> wanted to just wrap things up here. Um, first off, Told thank you. you. I could talk. You can, and that's honestly a really good thing. <laughs> don't think of it as a bad thing. Um, oh, I if don't. If anyone is still here with us, I appreciate you being uh, here and being on board for this. Rev, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time um, and giving us your insight, your stories everything um and letting people know about you uh it's been really good to see i know um who was it <laughs> jared in, in our discord earlier said didn't know rev had a killer beard lol i mean just stuff like that if people get to see you and uh, get to know what you look like and and who you are as a person and not just the uh, evil rc that you are the evil <laughs> rc <I'll take> <laughs> no but thank you very much thank you carl um Thank you all both for being here. It's a big time commitment uh, each week and um, glad we can get together and do this and it worked out. But we'll wrap it up of saying this is uh, this was the Holler Podcast uh, episode four. Uh, just a reminder. Said wrap it up. <laughs> wrap it up here. <laughs> Better late than never. I mean, Jeez, I got work in go. the morning. It's going to be a long one. But a new episode of the Holler Podcast can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts every Friday if you miss the recording on Thursday. For up-to-date news and information on the Butt Kicker Cup Series, please be sure to like our page on Facebook and visit www.brbracingleague.com. If you have a question for the podcast, send us an email or a message on Facebook. Um, the email address is brbracingleagues at gmail.com. Uh, want to thank Butt Kicker. Sundance Pizza, TriVista, Ideal Lease, um, Rev, I want to thank you. I want to thank RevSimShop.com. If you have you. any needs for a paint for uh, your iRacing or a button box for your rig or anything in between, please contact Rev. Um, he makes some absolutely killer paints that go along with his killer beard. Um, yeah, so. I, I don't have the same elves that Santa has, but I have a better <laughs> beard. That is very true, but that will do it for us this week. Uh, We will catch y'all next Tuesday uh, for the Shop Local 200 at Kern County Raceway Park at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on virtualracing.network's YouTube channel. Carl, good luck. Rev, good luck. Hopefully we don't uh, give you too much to work work on (laughs) during that race. Oh, well, Kern... (laughs) I'm going to tell you this. I still love you no matter what. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, yeah, I need that assurance going in. But that will end us here, and uh, we'll catch you all next week. Bye.